Back to the show, everybody. Thank you for enjoying my vacation pictures online. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I vacate yeah. through your vacay. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, vacation was good. It was a nice break from the norm, so that's why we had the classic episode drop last week, and you got to hear our old familiar friend, Mr. Cato Gatsby, on that call with us again. Uh, we riffed on hobos, hippies, and snuggles. Oh, God. <laughs> so, no regrets. Uh, yeah, no regrets for sure. Uh, but I I like putting stuff out like that. Like there's some cringe stuff that I said on there specifically. If you cared to listen to it, it's fine if you did or didn't. We just wanted to have some content out there while we were taking a week off for everybody to hear. I thought it was at least A, entertaining, and B, I'm not one of those type of people that I think you should hide from bullshit in your past. Like you just oh, need right. to be an honest person. Oh, dude, I was a and, total douche uh, when I was younger, uh, dude. Yeah, I, you know, we, this is something that happened uh, nearly 12 years ago now. So right. I like to do. I like to let people know that I evolved as a human in some way. I didn't say it was a good way, but I I evolved as a human being. So, <laughs> in some some respects, compared to matured. Yeah, maybe so. just well matured. You know, uh, I think kind of the points that we were making, though, too, was the fact that we were just trying to encourage people to get off their duff and uh, go out and try and earn a living and, and get out of the situations that they're in, which coincidentally is going to tie in with the, some of the themes that are hit on today's episode that we are going to have Mr. Skylar Johnson on eventually here today. And we're going to talk a little police reform. We're going to talk about school shootings. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, political machinations through the police force. But before we get there, we wanted to kind of start things off with some more current event type topics too, outside of my vacation specifically. So how about them cards? Oh, baby. So in a red hot position there for a minute, standing and, and they were red hot and Goldschmidt had the best may of any player in the MLB. But unfortunately between injuries for us and, you know, things catching up to us, we, we lost a couple games to Tampa Bay, but uh, I was very proud of Jack Flaherty in the comments that he made <sighs> yeah. whenever the Tampa Bay, uh, I guess, athletes, if you want to call them that, I call them cowards. Yeah. Uh, didn't want to represent Pride Month as every other team was doing. And that makes you wonder if it really is the athletes or if it comes from the upper-ups on sure. down because it is a Florida team. I think there's more to that team, story for you sure. Know, so. And it's easy to assume that there's agendas. Right, 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 right. For sure. But absolute joke was his direct uh, quote tweet, and it remains online. So thank you, Jack Flaherty. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. (laughs) Unfortunately, since we recorded last, the Blues got knocked out of the playoffs. Fuck Colorado. did you see what happened? Kadri got hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he took a juicy hit. Was it end up being like hand and thumb? Yeah. And uh, what uh, there was an NFL or the, not NFL? Wow, NHL referee that was quoted saying something about karma. 
yeah or payback Absolutely. or something so that was pretty yeah. cool that was pretty cool to see you know what i mean that even yeah. the organization was like i'm on cadre on that hit on bennington so right. right he got his and i said you know karma's a bitch man absolutely goes around comes around absolutely so unfortunately the blues not in the stanley cup this year but hey guys we got next year uh, we hats got a off lot, to a lot of team. props you know i would say that some of the things the team was going through, especially off season type stuff, you know, talk of Tarasenko getting traded. Who so? Um, yeah. And uh, Kairou, obviously he blew up this year and had an amazing uh, winter classic game, you know, all-star game yeah, as well. Right. So Kairou is just a, I, he's a now star. I wouldn't even call him a future star. No, but, he's a know. current, yeah, one of the better already, players in the NHL. It's literally a year. Right. Know, he's, right. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's got, a, got a lot of years left on him. I hope we keep him around. I hope we take care of him. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, show him the St. Louis hospitality. So, if Jordan Kyrie, you happen to hear this, and, and are you ever at a bar that I'm at? I'll buy you a beer. on me, my yep, man. For sure. We're buying you beer. Hell yeah. Hope, I hope, <laughs> hope he sticks around for years. We will touch on some of this today as well, but a lot of new things have become known, I guess, to the public with regards to Uvalde, Texas. It's an unfortunate situation. It's a tough conversation, but it's one that has to be had. Absolutely. And I feel like this stuff is obviously reported on to and from by the media. Usually the media is very quick to just report something regardless of how accurate the facts are. Unfortunately, you know, the instant news cycle and people's demands nowadays and their 15 second attention spans really have, have fed into that. But a lot of new things have developed out of it, and so we're going to touch some of, on some of that today in our talk with Mr. Skyler. But what I do want to bring up specifically right now is Matthew McConaughey. Oh, dude. To the White House. Another and applaud. Absolutely. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Absolutely. Matthew McConaughey and how he approached it and identify him as such, and I know that he is because he's talked about it freely and openly multiple times. He's considered running for governor and things of that ilk. You know, he's... He's really involved in Texas in and of itself. That guy is a right. true Texan. He believes in guns, that sort of stuff. But after such an event and it literally happening in his hometown, that's where he was born. His mom, I think, taught within a mile of the school that right. was shot. Uh, he attended school within a mile. He said if you school. weren't directly affected, you knew somebody that was affected. Right. Just to show, put it in perspective of how close-knit these communities are in Absolutely. that area. So. Yeah. Everyone was affected in that area. You know, he and his wife showed up. I mean, I'm just going to refer to it as the, the green shoe converse incident. But right. he humanized that setting because it becomes so desensitized to us. We see the media. We see the press conferences. We see, you know, the, the daily press White House briefings and things like that. We just get so desensitized to the, the whole thing. It, it reminded you that there's humans that stand behind that podium. There's humans that have real human feelings and represent the feelings that we have. Right. And call him an actor all you want. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, I heard several, several, several conservatives say, why are we even listening to a celebrity talk about something he has nothing to do with? Donald uh, Trump. What the fuck is Donald Trump? That is the epiphany dream of Trump as president. He's, uh, you know, he's not connected to politics. He is a celebrity, wealthy businessman. I mean, that's the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard. So absolutely. And so, you know, with regards to the fallout, we have to talk about some of the political ongoings with regards to this. So there's several representatives and senators whom 
have found themselves making some very inappropriate comments. Oh, geez, dude. And insensitive, really, quite frankly. But more specifically, as they battled this out throughout the house here recently. Right. The Protect Your Children Act. Yes. And... It, there's been some comments that's been made by some representatives in the South, in particular Texas and Alabama, that they need these high-capacity magazines and assault rifles to exterminate vermin. And their examples were things such as prairie dogs, as well as... Rabid foxes. Rabid uh, foxes and raccoons. I mean, <laughs> so all kinds of wild The most stuff absurd too. reasonings, I think, anybody, especially in rural areas like the southeast Missouri I'm sector, slap a in large the face majority to the of families. our audience, know that those items can be an issue, however... Right. It, it doesn't require an AR. <laughs> it doesn't require an AR-15. It doesn't require an AK-47. It doesn't require high-capacity magazines. Right. So, anywho. That's not a valid argument. Not at all whatsoever. Right. Also, there was uh, someone who also got up and spoke at great length that getting God out of our schools and taking prayer out of our schools was the cause of this. Jesus. And... All he had to lend to the situation was uh, thoughts and prayers. And Maybe it's, uh, that pe- was more the people prayed. That was his rather argument. Rather than the Safe Child <laughs> right. Act that bans the assault rifles being sold to 18 year olds, that you have to be 21 instead, too. Let's just still doesn't fix the problem, guys. Right. 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 So, anywho, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm just, at this point, I'm tired of, there's, there's really no more d- discussion. We need to have reasonable things in place. We need to have red flag laws. We need to have universal background checks. That's why I think it'll be interesting to have Skyler on today because maybe see that, you know, like he's a gun owner and maybe I wouldn't necessarily say a gun activist or anything, but he's a responsible gun owner. You know what I mean? So it'd be cool to hear that point of view on the subject. You know what I mean? And us bringing you guys Skyler today too, he... Brings a unique perspective. He served in the police force for five or so years, uh, sheriff's department specifically, worked various jobs throughout it. And then he went on to be a TSA agent and went through the training for that as well. So that'll be another unique perspective as well in his, uh, we'll just say, criminal justice career. Uh, he's no longer employed through either agencies, so he's kind of doing things a little bit different nowadays. He's a civvy now. Yeah, he's a civilian. Uh, <laughs> so he he's going to be in some unique and interesting stories today. So we're just going to cut straight to that and hope you guys enjoy. Stay tuned. Mr. Skyler this week. Skyler Johnson, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing wonderful. Great. Thank you for uh, hooking up with us and doing the show. We appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. We kind of wanted to bring you on, uh, having some of the unique experiences that you've had and thought you could bring a good perspective to some of the talking points that we want to have today. But I just kind of want to introduce you to our audience to start get them to know you a little bit better. I know that you're really from the Rala area primarily. That's where you grew up, right? 
Oh, yeah, man. So, yeah, grew up in Rolla, like, born and raised out in the sticks. I weirdly now live, like, a thousand yards away from my childhood home, which is bizarre to me, but I'm I still, I'm really happy to be here. But, yeah, I grew up out here and right. little country boy. So I think you and I have probably had this conversation before. Of course, Skyler, I haven't revealed this yet. He's my brother-in-law, so we've had some personal conversations. Mm-hmm. But I think you kind of had shared in the same mindset as me. You didn't really, or at least at one point in your life, you did, you weren't interested in moving back close to where you lived. Uh, you kind of were out striking on your own there no for a little while, right? Yeah. So, so but now, now you yeah, are back 100%. where you live, which is kind of odd in that regard, too. Yeah, man. It is. So, like... And I don't know, you might be, or either one of you maybe can test this, but, like, it's, like, for me, it was literally, like, a switch got flipped in my brain the second we had a kid. For sure. Yeah. Like, it was no longer, like, the, what I always tell people was, it, it's, I, was I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up, and then I'll bring it forward. Tarantino it, and then we'll go back. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when I go, to, I, go to col- I go to college in Springfield, I get a degree in criminology, and I'm like, I'm gonna be a cop. That's what I want to do. I want to be. A, I'm gonna be a good cop. I'm gonna do all this great stuff. Be all cool, you know. It's, and ever since I was a little kid, I mean, we have pictures of me as like a four-year-old with like some little sheriff's badge, like <laughs> yeah. running around, you know, right. playing cops and robbers. Like that's what I wanted. And should I have gone and gotten a degree in it? Uh, probably not. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. And so I go from I graduate from uh, MSU there in Springfield, mm-hmm. and I go to this career fair like senior year or whatever we had to go, and the sheriff's office from Johnston County, Kansas was there, and they were super squared away, and the guys were really cool, and they're like, "Look, man, we've got all these divisions." We put you through all this training. We pay really well, and you should apply. So I did, and they're like, yep, come up here, take this test. Come up here, take this test. Come up here, have an interview. So I did it and, like, kind of graduated, got this job, and then moved up to Kansas City. Right on. And uh, and I'm up there, and it's good. So, and again, I'm going to flash forward a little bit. But, yeah, so I'm up there for five years. We have my first son, and that the switch is flipped. And I'm no longer like drive fast, shoot guns, make arrests. It's I want to live, <laughs> I right, choose right. life to, yeah. see, to see my kid grow up. <laughs> right. And then, and I want to be close to my parents. Right. Yeah, yeah I hear yeah. you there. So, you know, and like that's those within the priorities. And then that's what we. Right. Having that support system is invaluable too, uh, right. especially when you have kids and that sort of thing, you know. Fortunately and unfortunately, you know, so we, we have our support systems that we have and we're very grateful for what we do have. And there are those that are, you know, closer knit to their families in some regards and they get perhaps maybe a little bit more support. But I've always noticed, at least from a spectator's point of view, your family is very tight and I definitely want to commend your family for that Heck yeah because yeah, that's rare nowadays quite frankly i mean i i probably don't communicate with my family as much as you do with yours now i know I geographically know I you're closer <laughs> but you know <laughs> yeah no you know yeah man i, I absolutely commend them because like they they're super supportive and like i mean they were good enough that i wanted to come home so like my parents they actually have so on the same county road now we're getting into like crazy hillbilly territory now because i'm yeah. across the road my sister is down the road, and my younger sister just moved a little bit further down the same county road. Like, we're all just like, oh, hey, you know, it's the Johnson So you guys Club. got a Rolla like, compound down there. Stretched out on this county road. 
Yeah. Yo, straight <laughs> up. Like, that's what's happening, yeah. But, we, yeah. but I like it. It's good, you know? Like, it is good. And they, they do, they're super great. And, yeah, like you said, a support system's important. And it. we wanted to be close to it. And we're, we're real happy to be here. So So I, I kind of talked about this on one of our episodes that we had. But uh, kind of the switch that was for me, that same moment that you talked about, was kind of once I got set in my life, you know, with... Uh, you know, being married to Pam and having the kids and that sort of stuff, you know, forever. I said, I, I refuse to live in Ironton or anywhere close to it. And you can count Bismarck part of that. And, you know, all these right. other small towns. Right. And now I have a house, <laughs> you know, in Bismarck. So, right. but you know, yeah. it's, it's more about just being comfortable with yourself and your own skin, your family situation and all that. And, you know, now I'm at the point I can live anywhere. I, I can live in a cardboard house if it makes everybody happy. Heck yeah. Yeah. As long as you got your squad with you, right. You know, For sure. that's what's important. Yeah. So you alluded to this earlier too. You went to school in Springfield. Why Springfield? Because of the cop, the criminal justice program? Yeah. So they had one there because I looked at going to, it was UMR at the time. Right. And it, S&T now in Raleigh. It's an engineering school. You know, I'm not trying to sell myself short, but I, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> like, just not. I hear, it. I hear you and there, dude. they yeah. don't have a criminology program, you know, right? You know, yeah. So, yeah. so I was looking around and I was like, what schools could I go to? And MSU had a, a good program. And, I mean, first and foremost, they accepted me. So I was like, let's go. <laughs> and so right. I went there and moved out and went to school. So... It was it was a good experience. And then you kind of talked to how you ended up in Kansas because essentially a recruiting effort from Johnson County. Where's Johnson County geographically? So folks kind of know. Sure. So if you take Kansas City, which sits on the border of Kansas and Missouri, um, Wyandotte County on the Kansas side is Kansas City, Kansas, like proper. And the next county south. So all the burbs is Johnson County, Kansas. So gotcha. that's where I was at. So it's, there's like, uh, it's 11, 11 cities in the county. And it's like, I mean, if you look at a map, it looks just like being in Kansas City, but it's not, so. Sure. It's kind of just like a giant metropolitan area, kind of like St. Louis, you know, you have like South St. Louis and you know what right. I mean? South County. South County and yeah. stuff like that. A hundred percent. That's exactly what it's like. So relatively large population for Kansas. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh... Was it 400 or almost 500,000 people, I think, for the county when I was there? I could be getting wow. that slightly off, but it's a lot. Hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, that's a lot. And uh, big city. It's got, you know, Olathe, Overland Park, Lenexa, Lee Woods, uh, most of Spring Hill, and a few other places. And then a few unincorporated areas that are just, you know, outskirts of the city limits. And it's, yeah, it's a big. It's big. It's the second biggest agency in the state. I think it's Topeka or Wichita. I get them confused. Okay. Uh, has a bigger force than, than we did, but I, past that, it was us. We're the next biggest uh, agency with officers. So. so talk about some of the various positions and jobs that you had there with us. I, I'm sure you kind of started entry level, and then I know you took on some other jobs and roles there while you were there. Oh, yeah. Entry level, that's a really cool, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Swabbing the deck. <laughs> yeah. So with the sheriff's office, and I say, I remember one of the things they told us when we got there, because it was sheriff's department, it still is called the sheriff's department here, but it, the, it's sheriff's office because the sheriff's an elected position, they hold an office. It's not a department, it sounds like it's like an appointed thing. Sure. So when you hear me say sheriff's office, you're not like, this guy... Is trying to be special, and that's just what it is supposed to be. Office, <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> yeah. I get out there, and a lot of sheriffs' like office setups are 
you start in the jail, and that is the same thing with these guys. So when you get hired, you go through, first up, the hiring process is like six months, and you go through oh, wow. interviews and psych evals, because they don't want you to be a nutcase, which, you know. Right. I, I made it through, so I guess I'm not crazy. <laughs> hey! Uh, yeah, right. They've got, you know, polygraph. That was an interesting experience. I had never done anything like that. And I'll, I guess I'm now going to stop and tell this little story, which is they laughed at me during the polygraph because they were like, hey, one, you fill out this huge questionnaire in this, like, desolate room. Yeah. And it's a big, long questionnaire about, like, have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever broken the law? Have you ever broken the law and not got caught? Have you ever stolen something and not got caught? Have you ever seen X, Y, Z? Have you ever done X, Y, Z? Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Have you ever talked to somebody yeah. that has done this? Have you ever tried the crazy amounts of stuff? And then you answer all those questions, and you go and you sit in this room, and they put this thing on your finger, and they put a thing across your chest, and you sit on this little pad that I guess measures like you're clenching your butt. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a thing. They have a thing that you look. There's a camera looking at your face, and then there's a few other things. Anyhow, and then they ask you all those questions that you just answered. To basically try to catch you in a lie, right? Like right. you said, I never do. The point of this story, this ties directly back to you guys. So they go on and they ask you these questions, right? They ask you these questions and like, oh, did you ever do this? Have you ever hurt anybody and not got caught? Have you ever hurt somebody and lied about it? And uh, they asked, one of the questions I filled out and answered yes to was, have you ever stolen anything? Because in Arcadia Valley, when I was seeing uh, Jenny, when I came down there, we bought ice cream at whatever it is, town and country that's in there. I think it's still there. Yeah, yeah. And w they didn't have any spoons, like, at their, their counter or whatever, at, by at the fried chicken stand. And I'm like, God dang it. And then so we're like, uh, I don't want to buy 100 plastic spoons. So I went in there, and I popped open this box, and I took two spoons out of it, and I closed it back, and I put it back on the shelf. Anyway, so that came up in this polygraph, and that dude just laughed in my face. He's like, you were stolen? Like, yeah. He's like, what was it? And I was like, a plastic spoon. And he's like, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Right. I felt like I felt like an idiot, but what? I'll try to be honest, you know. So again, because like, like legitimately, like the whole law. Yeah, at least you're honest. Right. About yeah, it, right. He's trying to be. So much, the law enforcement path for me, like genuine. And I think it's like this for most people. Sure. Even though guys you see on TV who are like idiots and who are doing this dumb stuff they all start out for the most part in like the right place right. they all start out like wanting to help people and yeah you get people that whatever their dad didn't hug them or right. they got bullied in right. high school so they're like i'm gonna right. go be a cop right it exists i'm sure but for the most part their hearts are in the right place but anyway so yeah. that's part of the hiring process for them uh <laughs> And I go through, and uh, they send me the letter, and I'm living in Springfield, and they send me the letter saying, hey, you're hired. Show up here at this date. And it's like three yeah. weeks out. And I'm like, Ugh. So I wow. have to, like, find – we rented an apartment sight unseen. Yeah. And just, like, packed up a U-Haul and drove there, and then I show up at their, like, training, uh, like, office, and I'm like, hey, here I am. Train me. Yeah. So, and they send you to the state academy. That's a that's a commitment in itself too. Just being able to just pack up and just you know drop sure. everything that you're doing. You know what I mean? Like that's wild. A hundred percent. Yeah, because they didn't say like, hey, are you okay with going, uh, you know, to work like right away? Like it took six months to get hired, and then right. like, hey, three weeks later, you better be out here. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so, but it all wor it worked out. 
and it was good. They didn't pay for any type of relocation expenses or anything like that for you, did they? No. I think if you lived over a certain distance... I got you. You would get it. Because there's some guys came from out of state. People came from all over to work there. Right, right. And uh, so I get hired, and I go... And they do it's like a little. It's, they call it pre-academy. So you go and you have, they you go shoot a little bit. They kind of gauge your physical fitness to make sure you're not going to like embarrass the academy. They uh, have you do a few different things to kind of gauge your like abilities, I guess. Sure. And then I go I go to the actual academy, and it's like I think there's like 35 or something like that people in the class, and it's from all over the metro area. So not Kansas City itself because they have their own academy. But then we've got all the cities in the county have somebody there, and there's like nine or ten of us from the sheriff's office there, and it's six months long, and oh wow, it's uh, sucked, yeah, sucked, terrible, it's horrible. <laughs> so six months of academy, where, where where do you go from there? So you go out of the academy, you graduate, assuming you don't mess anything up, which I did not, thankfully, and. Uh, <laughs> You go for the sheriff's office. For everybody else, they go straight into FTO, which is field. Well, FTO stands for field training officer, but it's called FTO. It's your yeah. field training phase. And it's another six months. And so for us, we go to JTO, which was jail training, which is not yeah. that cool or fun. Yeah. And you go to the jail. You have, an off, you have various officers assigned to you. And I ended up becoming a, a JTO later on down the road. And it was fine. But, yeah, it's, it's rough because you go in there, and I'll never forget because it's uh, the way the county set up the jail is we had, like, 2,000 inmates across two jails. And wow. the first time you go into a module, it's it's one officer. you got a rate of elevated desk. It's, like, six feet off the ground. Not six feet. I don't know. Four feet off the ground. It's direct supervision, which means you are in the day room with – the inmates, the people, I mean, they're people, yeah. they're there, and it's you, and it's six, 64 of them, and you just kind of, <laughs> you've got to go and handle yourself. and Yeah, I can kind of attest to that because <laughs> I worked for the Department of Corrections for about six months, so I was a wing officer, so I can kind of level with you on that. Mm. That was a, that was interesting time. It, it didn't work so, out for me. I, so. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> now, I, I know. So, like, yeah, the, uh, like you can probably attest to. I was just going to say, I know that the jail aspect of it wasn't the most alluring for you, and, and eventually you wanted to do some patrol work, and you didn't you get a chance to do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I did a, I did a bunch of stuff. Uh, so I started out in the jail, and, like, essentially the jail is everybody starts there and everybody ends there. So it's a weird mix of, like, really, really new people like, you know, rookie or whatever you want to call them, brand new. Right. And then guys and ladies who've been there for 20 years and they're just finishing their career out because the sheriff's office takes your high three years of service and that's what they base your retirement off of. So there's an endless overtime in the jail. Wow. You can work as many hours, as long as it's not seven days straight, you can work as much as you want. And so you get these officers who are coming off from patrol and investigations and the courts and all this stuff, and they're just going to do three years in the jail and work as much OT as they can because that's what their retirement's going to be based off of. So it's an interesting mix of, of people that are then kind of there. And basically, if you want to stay in the jail forever, you can, and some people do. I did not want to do that. I didn't want to work modules anyway, because like I said, you go in there and the first time all the doors unlock and the inmates come pouring out and they need 
everything from you, or there's all these, they have all these problems, and, you know, street beef that they're going to try to handle in the day room, and everyone thinks they're cool, and it just, like, never right. ends, so I right, get tired yeah. of that, but I go on, and... A lot of, uh, lot of dick measuring. I, I tr- um, yes, <laughs> like, non-stop, and it's, it's, this is one of those things that like I'm like hey I'll do what I gotta do but I'm gonna get out of here basically so I right. went right. and I got onto the what was it the transport team where you say drive people around take people to places and I got a story remind me about this because I'm gonna come back with a story on this one but uh, they I then get a lead officer position in the booking lounge at the Olathe Adult Detention Center so booking lounge you ever seen the show American Jail yeah. yeah. Very similar. Yeah, it's super duper similar to that. So it's me as the lead. I have one deputy who's down there. They rotate through, is assigned with me. I have three civilians, and there's one sergeant who's supposed to be running the window. A lot of times the sergeant wants to go away because it's it's a nonstop nightmare the whole time that you're down there, but it's fun. Like, it's a good time. So yeah. I spent <laughs> like a year or something doing that. And then as I was down there, I became training officer, so I would train people in booking because I had, a, I had good training officers who showed me how to do it very efficiently. So then I started training other people, and eventually I kind of used that as a stepping stone to go to patrol. And there's a bunch of steps, because unfortunately it wasn't exactly what you knew, but kind of like who you knew, one of who those knew? situations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. Yeah, man. So I had to go like email the sergeant of patrol training be like hey can i come out and like see what you guys do and he's like yeah and then you go and then you go like gotta not schmooze them but you gotta be they gotta like you and then you come back and you gotta go do other stuff and then you get to put in for it and then you get a chance to go out which i did and i went out and completed my fto program out there and had a great time it was it was drive fast shoot guns you know what i'm saying so <laughs> right cool. so tell me a transport story that you're holding back on us <laughs> before we go too much further oh man i actually had actually had two um you know maybe this was the same one i get confused so anyhow oh we could kind of tie this into like current event type stuff a little bit which is sure right when i'm getting hired which is 2011 into 2011 and then I left the SO in 2016. So as I'm getting hired, that's when, like, maybe I'm out of academy, I'm done with jail training, I've been there for, like, six months, let's say. They're like, hey, we are getting body cameras, which is obviously, that's commonplace now, right? I mean, do the right, cops out there, but right. you guys have body cameras currently? Uh, we do not, actually, here uh, locally. Not, not not the small departments, okay. anyhow. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with with that, it was really interesting because you see, like, I remember, like, each crew had one camera to use, and whoever got assigned to wear it was the pariah. No one would talk to them. No one wanted <laughs> yeah. to be around them because they didn't want everything they said. Not because anyone's misbehaving, but because, like, everyone's running their mouth. Sure. Oh, the admin sucks. Yeah. This schedule blows. So-and-so's a piece of shit. Like, it doesn't matter. But, and then flash forward to when I left... I wouldn't leave the I wouldn't leave my locker without having that camera fully charged and on because that thing is the sole greatest tool that I ever came across. That saved my bacon yeah. many times, many many times. Like it's just you cannot sure. Anyway, there it's it's the best. The cameras are great, cameras are amazing. So, 
Because people can file uh, formal complaints against officers, right. actually, and you can review that footage, and often oh, that yeah. Right. Yeah. speaks to what action it's was and wasn't taken. Right. So right. just to kind of further what, how, your point yeah. about saving your bacon. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's it's one of those things, because at, at first, everyone's like, and it was kind of, because the command staff, so like lieutenants and up, lieutenants, captains, majors, sheriff, uh, when we first got them, you know, they were, wa- you had it on for eight hours, guess what? They're watching eight hours of footage. So, man, if you said something out of line or if you whatever, you know, chewing with your mouth open, they knew about it. And that kind of sucked. But then after a while, you don't think about it. And it's a it's just huge. It's almost a relief because people can say you did anything. People hate getting in trouble. Like, I hate it oh, myself. Yeah. But they do not like if you if they are caught doing something they're not supposed to do, they'll freak out and they'll say anything. So that kind of this ties into uh, my transport story, which is. Uh, in the jail, you, you escort. So it means you basically it's like a float. You walk around, you answer radio calls, you go help, you go do stuff, take people to the hospital, uh, give people meal breaks to transport people. So the lieutenant comes on the radio and is like, hey, you know, so-and-so to a, an escort, come down here. So I go down there. I'm like, hey, we need you to take somebody to Osawatomie State Hospital, which is a it's a mental <laughs> hospital is what it is. Right. And I'm like, all right. I was like, no, gotcha. no big deal. I've heard about people going there. It's fine. I can do that. And they're like, cool. And he's like, here's the deal. This lady, <laughs> this young woman, uh, he's like, every time we have contact with her, she says she got raped. And I'm like, mm, I don't oh, want to wow. do this anymore. Yeah. But he's like, you leave, you leave your body camera on, leave your uh, your vehicle camera on, because you, you can turn it from facing forward to facing to the back. And yeah. he's like, leave it on the whole time. And, you know, you log your mileage. And I don't know if you guys know that or not. When you transport... I mean, if you transport, if there's any question, you got You should do it anyway. But if you transport mandatory, you transport a female or a kid or somebody, if there's something hinky going on, you log that mileage over the radio. You'll say, hey, I'm transporting blah, 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 so-and-so, female, starting mileage, and you give the mileage in your vehicle. And that way they can't say, like, oh, yeah, he pulled over here. Well, nuh-uh, I sure didn't. And you got GPS in your car, but they can be off sure. or whatever. So you log that stuff. And anyway, so I'm taking this uh, lady to Osawatomie State Hospital. It's the middle of the night. It was like 2 in the morning. And I get there, and it's like off the highway. I'm following signs. And you get there, and it's straight up out of a horror movie. There's just like nothing but like these brick buildings with like bars on the windows, and it's starting to rain. And so like there's <laughs> lightning flashing, and there's these giant oak trees, and there's not a damn, there is not a person out there. Everything is pitch black. And I'm like, I'm gonna Terrified. die out here. So I have like a, I have my spotlight in my car, I'm like driving her. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna, this is how horror movie starts. So I'm going, Definitely. I finally figure out where you're supposed to go. Anyhow, I take her down there. And I'm just happy to get rid of her because I'm like, you know, I don't want to <laughs> deal with this. And the lady, right, yeah. and it's like, it's also like a horror movie. I walk into this big, like, brick building, and it's like dark as a cave. And at the far ass end of it, there's like a lady at like a desk with like a one, like, desk light. And she's just like sitting there, like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. So I gotta walk yeah. this chick down who's in, she's shackled up, right? So her legs are shackled, her hands are shackled, and yeah. she's. And it's echoing, and I'm like, okay, we take her down there. And then the lady's like, oh, security's busy with something. Uh, it's going to be a while until she can go to her unit. And I said, where's her unit? And they're like, oh, it's through this door, and it's the next building back. I said, I'll take her. And they're like, okay. 
And I'm like, that's first mistake. Don't volunteer for stuff. Kids at home listening. Yeah. <laughs> don't volunteer for things. And I, uh, so I go through this door out into the dark. And I see the building. It's pretty close. It's a hundred yards, not even that. The concrete bath. And as soon as I'm out that door and it closes, this chick turns. She's shackled. She turns and like wraps her legs around my legs. And like she's got a belly chain on, but she's grabbing my belt. There's my guns on my belt first up. So that's wow. something you got to kind of be cognizant of. But I didn't wow. think she could get it. And she starts. She hasn't done anything this whole time. She's screaming and yelling. Ah! And like grabbing me, I'm like, holy Jeez. cow! So I'm like, I'm wow. like prying her off me, and uh, somebody, somebody comes out. Get off helps. of me, right? Get, get off me! This, and this happened all the time. Unfortunately, people always grab it on. But um, the, some guy finally comes, and we carry her into this building. The story's almost done. Sorry, it's kind of a long one. Uh, carry her into this building, and oh boy, oh boy, uh, it's in there. It's like an open air. They have locked doors, but it's an open air, like, I don't know what else to call it besides, like, a mental ward. I think one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So they're all awake. <laughs> right, right. It's 3 in the morning. They're all awake watching TV. You know, there's a guy in the corner, like, whatever, eating checkers. And they're all <laughs> crowding around me as I'm, like, dragging her, screaming across the floor to the, some room in the back. And I'm dragging, dragging, dragging. And, like, I bump into some guy who's like a patient and I like stand up and like look at him like move bro and he's like real real close to me and he leans in real close like hey man I like your gun I want one just like it and I was oh my like God. this is going south uh, super yeah quick. real quick anyhow right. I drug her I drug her back there I get my restraints off of her and I like slam the door as she's like coming at me and like she can hear in there ah! so oh, man. I'm just like anyway then I go back uh, wow back to the station so call it good uh-huh. Yeah, we uh, our friend Brandon, who's in the military, he does prisoner transport, uh, or at least he used to do prisoner transport for the military before he became a paralegal. And he would actually, uh, you know, and often in the situation was people that were actually in the military that were arrested or whatever the situation was uh, being held. He would have to transport them from facility to facility. So like very commonly, he'd have to drive from Germany to Italy and back uh, or vice versa, transporting prisoners and uh but it's more like military prisoners that is but like you, you know wild offense type stuff that you don't think goes on in the military people doing crazy shit on the dark web and stuff like that you know just like the most wildest stuff so i can just 100%. imagine even in a, in a more civilian aspect things probably get even crazier in some respects too like some of the things that you've had to see and deal with and even thinking about transporting somebody to a sane asylum to put it you know in layman's terms people don't think about that being a part right. of job yeah. responsibilities it's being a part of being <laughs> a police officer right exactly yeah. so what's your other uh, story you got for us okay i'm i'm uh, i've got a, a bunch of stories i'm just trying not to make them confusing like time frame wise so i'm like starting yeah. early and then building them up but uh Especially with so like transporting military prisoners is super str- like weird because even though they're calm and cool and collective, they've been trained to us to kill you. Right. Like my, right. the right. benefit on my part is my my crackheads might be crackheads, but their training is zero. You know what I'm saying? So right, yeah, right, train, right. taking somebody on a road you've never been on from Germany to Italy sounds right. like yeah, it could be rough stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He would just tell me stories and these like daunting, undeveloped roads and things that you'd have to go on, man. It was just like horror stories. I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, sure. no way. Yeah, it sounds it sounds crazy. I'm trying to think of other I'm trying to think of jail stories. So like 
the jail sucked to work in, but like we had, like the camaraderie is great. And like that's what people, like sure. people ask me, like, do you miss it? I'm like, yeah, the job was pretty cool. The schedule sucked. Right. It was really like mentally and physically taxing, but the camaraderie is fantastic. I know that's kind of corny. Be like, you know, my brothers, but like it really you hear is. It all like, the time, I'm still though. in touch with a lot of these guys and like it's forever. Yeah. And it's, it's a true, it's a true thing. And that made it that much more palatable to to go through because going in and out of jail every day was terrible it oh, was yeah. terrible and they, sure. some of the inmates the max guys would be like oh i gotta stay here man you get to go home and i'm like yeah bro but i gotta come back in the morning like you know what that's like right <laughs> wake up and come back and see you stand standing in your window staring at me again <laughs> like right now right. stop but, why are you uh, in here again <laughs> so i've got yeah right yeah oh and that's that's it's funny you say that so this was like a not a not a wake up call but an early like experience that i had with a guy who was i'm talking like the first couple of weeks that i was out of training and this guy comes in for like something minor like you know drugs or nothing life ruining like it's not great but it's not going to ruin your life you're going to be right. okay like you'll be yeah. fine and he's in there, and this is in, in, like, the booking lounge. He's crying, and, oh, I have twin girls, and I'm ruining their life. I can't be there. I'm going to, you know, I have to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to do this stuff. And I'm like, dang, bro, like, this is like a come-to-Jesus moment for you. So I was, like, talking to him. I was like, man, you can change. You know, like, whatever. Right. I said. Sure. And then literally I saw that. That guy got arrested every week for, like, two years. <laughs> like, he did yeah. not change. He you didn't accept the message, it. but he, yeah. he wrote, he got... No, he did exactly. He did not change at all. And then I quit seeing him, probably because he's dead. But sure. that was like right. an early experience with like, dang, some people are not able to help themselves or to get help. And yes. we can talk about this too. I'm sure it'll come up with like the system blows. The system Absolutely. blows. And yeah. it doesn't, like, once you're, when you're in it, you cannot, unless you've got a support system. You can't get out of it. Right. Like, it's right. an impossible cycle, and I get why it's in place. And there's something, like, it almost seems like it works too good for people that are, like, minor offenders, but then fails when somebody's, like, a hardcore, long, like, lifelong right. criminal. It's right. too many chances. Right. And, like, this might sound callous, but at some point, bro, you got to get out of the gene pool, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, not really kill them, but right. I'm right. tired of dealing. Like, you, you, your chances are exhausted. It's too right. much. But uh, when I was in training, and this is just kind of a, and this is just the, the brutal, the brutally honest truth, and this guy's two events. One, sta a state trooper who was training us in DUI stuff said, we're all cops for the same reason. And I was like, huh. And he's like, we're all here because we like to jack with people. <laughs> and I was like, mm, yeah. that's for sure not why I'm here, right. guy. Right. And, and the other one was uh, a deputy at the, the sheriff's office said to me, he's like, I don't even see these. I don't see most of these uh, things as people. He said, They're, they just look more animals to me. They're just animals. And I was yeah. like, you know, like, uh, yeah. brother, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here's this, and I, I, I remember that feeling. I was like, do I need to, like, report this? Because, like, that's not okay. Right. Now, I right. will tell you something right now. Don't, don't look at me differently, please. When I left, I didn't think like that on either account, 
but I was starting to see it. You understood that I was that like, mm, I totally, I got what they meant. He didn't mean jack with people as in like, I like to make people have bad, like just mess stuff up. But you almost are living to like, ooh, a bad guy, let me, let me tie him up in the system the best that I can so he can't do this anymore. And it's like, that's kind of like a, not a perversion of justice, but like a, that's not what it's, that's not what you're there to do. Right. right it's not right. what you're supposed to be doing. Definitely. Right. And it's just, it, it sucks. It sucks. But your time there you? in the police department, too, you were there for five years, right? So I'm sure yes, you probably saw some political changes, perhaps, oh, uh, whether yeah. it was top down management type stuff. Can you talk perhaps about some of the political changes that you saw while you're working there? Yeah, absolutely. So with like, so uh, sheriff's four year position, right? So yeah. every four years you get a new sheriff or there's an election at least and you might have the same one. So I had sure. the same one the entire time I was there. Uh, name of Frank Denning. I never met him. He did oh, not wow. swear me in. The undersheriff swore me in. Uh, he... He does exist, from what I've heard. I've never laid eyes on him in person. <laughs> Who knows? If he's even alive. I don't know. It might be a Manchurian candidate or like invasion of the body snatchers type situation. He is not. The Wizard of around. Oz. He wasn't around. <laughs> and uh, being, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, thank you. That's way, yeah, yeah. way better. I don't know. I came yeah. up with a Manchurian candidate, which does not does not fit at all. But yeah, whatever. not exactly the uh, same thing, but it's still he, funny. Uh, <laughs> not, not the same thing at all. Anyway, <laughs> and he. Good guy by all accounts, but I just I just never never saw him, never met him. So that was like you know out here, like I'm in Dent County. The sheriff is in a patrol car making traffic stops. Like he's yeah. a, he's a cop. Like he's out there. My, our sheriffs and and that at that size of agency, they're a they're an elected person. They're a politician. They're not a they're a figurehead. So right, it's more political. Yeah, it it 100 is this political thing, and they're there more to like do budgets and stuff with the board of county commissioners than they are police work but that's neither here nor there but like political changes you have a political change would be like we have you you operate by your sop okay and it's the same with tsa it's you operate with these standard procedures that that's how you do things and it's if you operate under the umbrella is what they call it of policy you are totally you're safe from whatever would get you outside of that umbrella. But when you deviate and you're no longer covered by this umbrella, you right. are, you're on your own, essentially. But the, the weird thing is with those policies, man, I'm sorry about the weather, fellas. It's cutting out. The weird thing with the policies is it'll change with, like, undersheriffs or they'll, like, add a position, like the undersheriff's bro is, like, the chief deputy all of a sudden, a position that never existed. And his pet peeve is officers wearing uh, sunglasses on their heads when you get out of your car to make your traffic stop. So he does not, like, he, you would get written up for taking sunglasses and putting them up like this. And so, like, there's things like that that make zero sense. It's just, like, bizarre. And also kind of, like, if you have that much time on your hands, think of, like, maybe, like, officer retention morale, yeah. uh, right. community sure. outreach, stuff like that, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah, it's like crazy. The thing about yeah, sunglasses sure. being that's, oh, man, that's my mark on the sheriff's office. I'm going to do that. But, yeah, uh, silly. But other than that, politically, I, there wasn't too much. It was kind of, they were really good, honestly, about as long as you're doing your job correctly and you're not causing problems that you're uh, 
you're good to kind of keep going. Sounds like they're more focused on the operations end and the practicality versus, you know, what's going on politically in the county or whatever the case is being forced down. Yeah. I know that I know that can greatly affect police departments, though, especially in large cities. Yeah, it, it absolutely it can. And then there's there's been many cases where that's like the almost the downfall of the department. And you do have to watch out with weird things like that. And I never saw it at ours. But you got to watch out for like that can be the seed. Like if you make some policy that really makes everybody mad, it can be the seed for like one out of a hundred guys might be like, oh, man, that's the straw that broke the camel's back, and now they're going to start being a dirtbag or whatever it is. Because you hear stories about that. And, like, you you talked about that. What's whatever the – we own this city, which is that – it's a true yeah, story. Yeah, we own the city. Whatever, Baltimore, yep. Boston, or whatever Baltimore Police yeah. Department. Yep. Yeah. And they get this in their head where they get mad, and it's usually at the agency, traditionally is how it seems. And – then they start like, man, this agency screwed me over for the last time. And, it, you know, it starts off with, well, whatever. I'm going to say I work today, but I'm actually going to go home. Whatever. Right. And they do that for a year. Or, you know, every other week they take a day off or whatever it is. And But then eventually it's, oh, hey, I'm going to run a money laundering operation. Or we're going to go bust these guys without warrants and then take their money and not log anything and all that. So yeah, just, right. It can right. snowball pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. But, but we, we, I, thankfully, never, I never dealt with anything like that. I don't want to gloss over your police experience, but you did mention the fact that you uh, were a TSA agent also. So I want to touch on that and then uh, eventually circle the conversation back around, talk about some more uh, current ongoings with criminal uh, justice and reform and what have you. But uh, yeah. you mentioned earlier you're a TSA agent. Can you tell us a little bit about what the job role was, anything that you can talk about there? Because it, it's a unique, it's still under the criminal justice umbrella in many senses. Really, you're a federal agent. Yeah, so you are, yeah, federal employee uh, with the TSA. And it was one of those things that we kind of, when I moved back to this area, it's like, okay, one of the, the pros of being here is like all these stuff, be it, you know, have land, be close to family, all this stuff. The con is there's no good jobs out here. Like, right. There's nothing. Right. So we are, pro we're close enough to Fort Leonard Wood that there's some federal jobs. So that's, that's great. Right. And they had a posting for TSA, so I applied, and they're like, "Oh, somebody with cop experience, snatch him up." I got hired pretty quick, and and it was it was a pretty good experience. It went downhill there towards the end. Just it mainly was my problem was scheduling. Like it, it was just non non negotiable. They're just so inflexible that I just I couldn't handle it anymore, so I had to leave. But they uh, it was great, especially you with a family that changes the dynamics. Oh, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent, because it's like, I don't right. care, like, you know, with the sheriff's office, no kid, I was like, yeah, I'm, oh, I'll work that, yeah, Sarge, I got that, I'll work that overtime, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, oh, I'll stay late and fill other, you know, whatever, but with, by the time I get to TSA, and it's like, I've got kids, like, I don't want to, no, I'm not going to come in on this right. day, leave me alone, <laughs> so, right. it, uh, but it's good, and they're, as an agency, they're pretty, it's, it's a government agency, so a lot of red tape, right? And, yeah. But they have good training, and they send you off to FLETC, which is the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in uh, Glencoe, Georgia. Oh, wow. And it's this big, sprawling federal campus, and you've got uh, Border Patrol. Ooh, speaking of Border Patrol, sorry, I'm, you know, squirrel. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> remind me to come back to Border Patrol, because I just saw... I just saw a headline about this, and I don't know the, the truth behind this at all. And by the time this 
airs, so to speak, this may be debunked. I just read something that said the Supreme Court has passed some sort of bill, or was wrapped in a bill, or something, not passed a bill, that's not what they did. They upheld the decision that the Border Patrol, if you're within 100 miles of any border, they can warrantless entry your house to look for who they suspect to be there. Oh, wow. Which I don't know if it's true, but that to <laughs> me sounds like a big problem. <laughs> big old problem for me. Yeah, for sure. big time. Absolutely. Big, big time. time. So we can, that covers a lot can, of space. Yes, it does. They said it covered what percentage because it's like it's all of Chicago, Los Angeles, right. yeah. New York. Uh, all right. these other cities. Anyway, it's it's all of right. Florida would almost be covered. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I, wow. I did I divulged or divulged I whatever the word is. Anyhow, digress. So TSA, they train you up. You go there for for three weeks. Oh, I got it. <laughs> you got you it. Go for three you got weeks, it. You're the die part. And it's a live-in academy. Three weeks is nothing uh, in the scheme of things. So you're in there. They train you up. And you come back and you do uh, three more weeks at a, a, a big airport. So for me, it was Springfield. Go down there for three weeks. They kind of show you the ropes, and you come back to your home airport, which for me was TBN, which is uh, Forney Army Field. So it's kind of weird because it's a civilian airport on a military base. And Fort Woods, an Army training base, but they also train Marines. The Navy and the Air Force come through, and I've even seen the Coast Guard, which I don't know what they're doing there. Probably something to do with chemical weapons. They have a chemical like depot there or whatever. And come through, do that. I did that for like a year. And then I'm like, hey, I can do more than this. And I put in and get a lead officer position, which kind of is just you are the the whipping boy of the airport. You got to do all this stuff and you don't get paid that much more for it. So. so I think whenever people hear the word or the phrase TSA, the image that comes to mind is the things that they see on the news or they've experienced themselves and that's going through the line, getting checked and that, and that sort of thing. But I'm sure there's a lot more to the job than that. Is there any, any bit of the job aspect responsibilities that you can elaborate on? So people get a better understanding what is involved in yeah. the TSA agents day to day. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I mean, you come in and you do, and like the, the training is ongoing. So I, I think it's the same for, it was same for police work and same for military people. But like it's nonstop training. Like you gotta go take these tests. You gotta do that. But something that people don't know about uh, TSA is that it actually like for me before I went there, I was like, oh, bro, I'm gonna be the water bottle sheriff. Like, well, you can't take that water, sir. <laughs> like, right, I'm gonna right, stop right. this. <laughs> and it is. I mean, I'll I did. You. I did do that. But yeah, exactly. I'm gonna really, yeah, yeah. You're in trouble now. But like, there is so much that goes on, and I honestly wonder if it's not like intentionally downplayed. Because I'll get like news stories, and they're like, "Gun found at JFK," and it's like, they find guns every single day in St. Louis. There's somebody oh, yeah. a gun oh, checkpoint every single day, like constant. And like what? Ninety nine point nine percent of them are old women who forgot that they're in their purse or some guy right. who thought he could do it. And, like, I had a guy in Springfield come through, and he had a taser, which is for, is prohibited. You can't take it. Like, right. three knives, pepper spray, a knife cane, and he's just like, what's up? <laughs> I thought, you know, what's, I don't know. What's the problem? Everything's above board know, What do you mean? I don't know. It's like, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is totally cool. And it's like, and it's like a $10,000 fine if you bring a gun right. to the checkpoint. 
Like, it's not yeah. a joke. Yeah. Like, it's for real. And a lot of times, like, if you're cool and you show up and, like, they say, hey, we need to look at your bag. And the guy's, like, he's, like, clutching his head. He's, like, oh, my God, I left I left my gun in there. I'm so sorry. And, like, if you if they do that, the cops take the gun and make it safe. And then they'll walk you to the front door of the airport and hand it back to you and be, like, put it in your car. And that's it. You don't go yeah. to jail. You don't get the fine. Right. But the people that come, the people that make a stink, or I had a guy, a lady one time, had a gun in her purse, and just without giving away government secrets, yeah, you're never getting a gun. I mean, I won't say never because it has happened, but like, they the X-ray are very, they're very effective, and it's very, 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 very difficult to get anything like that through. And uh, but we had a lady with a gun in her purse, and so we're like talking to her. And then it's in the back of the queue. So there's, like, hundreds of people in line in Springfield, right? And the back of the queue, you can hear her husband saying, She's got TSA pre-check. It's okay. <laughs> and it's like, dude, <laughs> that's not how that works. Like, no. you right. did not mean you're going to start taking guns to the checkpoint, man. But, yeah. So that's great. It's like, I'm trying to think of some quick quick stories with TSA. Is, uh... Had a lady one time, uh, her bag had to get checked for various reasons, and I open it up, and you, there's some questions you ask. I'm like, hey, is this your bag? Anything fragile I should be aware of? I need to go through this real quick. You just take a second, stuff like that. So I open it up, right, whoop, and it's just nothing but loose cash. Just oh. like, I don't know how much money, just loose cash. Oh, just, wow. And I'm like, bah! and so I'm like going like this, and I'm like, hey, hey, because the first thing you're going to say is, hey, you took my money, and I'm like, hey, you know, right. supervisor, come over here. Yeah, yeah. And then... You're, domestically, you can fly with any amount of money. If you're international, it's $10,000. She was going to Chicago one way with a literal suitcase of loose money. And they were like, uh, where are you going? She's yeah. like, Chicago. That doesn't seem suspicious. Right. And they're like, why? And she's like, uh, I'm going to buy a minivan. And I'm like, must be a pretty sick minivan. If right. Yeah. Suitcase full yeah. of cash. Damn. And uh, anyhow, and I don't know, I think the cops talked to her, but she ended up flying. But then, so another thing, and I was going to talk about with, with TSA is, like, it's super annoying. People will always be like, abolish the TSA, abolish them, and it's so stupid, it's security theater. And, like, to a degree, it is security theater, but only it's only had a, a positive effect because I can tell you definitely, they 100% are people out there who are constantly probing these airports constantly right trying, trying to, to figure out a weakness through, trying to see what makes it oh yeah like i'm talking non-stop and it do, they don't put it in the news for some reason but there's people getting put on like the terrorist watch lists and no fly lists oh, and that's done way above us but like all the time because they literally are and there's one in springfield recently within five years where they had a guy who had some things in his bag and they thought it was a bomb based off the x-ray images. And so they call the police, they get it. It's not a bomb, but it's clearly been assembled to resemble a bomb. Like, it looks like a bomb. So they get this kid who's tra- he's graduated from college and he's going home to somewhere in Africa. And they're like, what, why is this in your bag? He's like, I don't know. And they're like, who packed your bag? And he's, I don't know. What's in your bag? I don't know. Like, just said, I don't know, for every single question. And so they help, they keep the bag. He gets on his plane, and he gets additional screening, but he leaves. Like, he gets to go. But that guy's never, he can never come back to the country. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Like, there's stuff like that. So essentially, with a, with a situation like that, 
is what it is, is somebody's reached out to him, either known to him or not, and said, hey, we're going to pay you $10,000 to try to take XYZ in this configuration through that airport. And they'll be like, you won't get arrested because nothing you have is illegal. And you need to tell us if you make it through that airport or if they stop you. So I'm sure as soon as he landed in his home country, he tells them, hey, they stopped me. So whoever it is in whatever country, they mark off on a list, okay, can't sneak XYZ through, right. and they right. go right. on to the next thing at some other airport somewhere else. And it, so it's it's a very much needed service. Like it's, yeah. I would also assume that the TSA deals a lot with narcotics. How much narcotics did you deal with? I figured that would be probably one of the biggest issues. No. So we are our prime, the, the primo example. Now, there are cases... The only time that narcotics are going to be involved, for the most part, is if this something comes up on the X-ray that they think is something else, and they look at it and they suspect drug activity. So, like weird, like big loose packages of pills, or yeah. you know, white powdery substance inside a teddy bear. That's you know not normal, and then the cops right. are involved, right? Right. So, and then at that point, the police take it over, and that's where these drugs come from. TSA is 100% there to keep airplanes in the sky. That's I got what you. it's all about. Totally. In, keep the people uh, moving. Hand the criminal no, stuff not over not to the cops. Lot. Yeah, keep the people moving. Make sure they're safe. The cops take the criminal stuff. Yeah. Uh, the feds will handle any, like, actual bomb stuff. And then right. drugs, unless you suspect it, it just, like, because I don't know, like... Because we sure. got not we didn't get in trouble once, but there was a guy who had like a pipe, right? Like a weed pipe, like a, sure. like, a like a one hitter, right? Yeah. And I am familiar. I was in charge of that. One might call us experts I've on heard the category. I think <laughs> I heard about it. They uh, like so it's like it's one hitter, and I see it. It's there in the guy's bag. The uh, the officer doing the bag checks, like, hey, what about this? And I said let it go like I don't care like that's not going to blow up he can't kill somebody with it it's fine so anyhow it comes out that I let it go and they're like well why didn't you hang on to it I'm like uh, I would like you know how many hours of training did TSA provide me in recognizing drugs they're like none and I'm like Right. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> right. get out of my face with your nonsense. Point. I don't want to talk point to you and anymore. Point taken. You know, so in the, yeah. no, unless it's unless it's blatantly obvious. Yeah. Right. Unless it's blatantly obvious, like I'm not gonna. Unless there's like a threat to the plane, we're not holding anybody on that checkpoint for anything. If they got a knife, if they got a gun, we're not, they're not gonna. We're saying, hey, you can't go through. If they take off running, I'm not gonna terminate a run after them. The cops are gonna stop them. Right. And if they've got a pipe. Like, what am I going to do, violate their rights and say, you can't leave? Nah, I don't have, the, I'm not a police officer, as TSA. Right. I can't arrest them. I can tell right. them to stop, but I'm right. not, like, it's basically security at that point. Anyhow, right. so yeah. to answer your question, yeah, drugs are not really on the radar. Right, like, wow, I didn't know that. Unless it's somehow stumbled upon. During the discovery progress process of other things, that is. Yeah, ex- exactly, right. So if you find it during something else, right. if it's in the scope of your search, because there's been cases where they were looking, the, the item they're looking for is in, let's say it's in pocket A. It's on top of the bag. Well, and at the very bottom of the bag, they've got a, you know, a fat bag of weed. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. You weren't supposed to be looking at that bottom portion of that bag at that point. So if they stop you, basically you had no reason, mean, or, uh, reason to look at it. You had no reason to call the cops over. Therefore, like the cops search or their re- it's all it's all voided, and so it's like there's no point, yeah. right? Dealing with it, so 
anyhow. TSAs, the jobs, the responsibility, all that stuff dramatically changed, of course, after 9-11. I don't know if they, like, gave you a history lesson at all during your TSA training with that. I mean, the TSA, it was a thing, but it was relatively non-existent to compare to Not what to it the, is yeah, today. Not to the degree it is nowadays, you know. right. So... History lesson. I was going to say, what what's 9-11 is what I should yeah, say. Yeah, what is that? What is this thing you call yeah. history? So with 9-11, <laughs> exactly. That's right. I'm just here to chew gum. Yeah. It, uh, it 9-11 kicks off, right? And so then it's two months later in November, I don't remember, 9th possibly? November, they do the Transportation Security Act which is basically it federalizes all airport security. It makes, uh, there's a few things that get placed. Like everybody gets screened. It's 100% of all checked baggage gets screened. Because, yo, this is crazy to think about now. Like obviously your checked bag is getting uh, put through a machine to look at, right? Right, right, right. right. Back in the day, they are just like, right. yeah, under, under the plane, yeah, no one's going to be crazy enough to do something under there. And they're just like, right. and they're throwing them under there. And it's like, what is happening? Right. Yeah. Right. So it, it pops off. And then there's a few other big changes. So it's like in 2000, I think, is it three Six, one, no, oh no, it was the same year. Sorry, same year. It's one month after that happens, you get this Richard Reed cat. Yeah. So TSA has stood up all over the country. They hire all these people, and they're like, this, the problem they thought was that the airports were inconsistent with security screening. So terrorists could go to airport A and watch and be like, okay, these guys are really searching well. We don't want to go here. They can go to airport B and be like, mm, that's pretty good. And airport C, they're running short-staffed, and they're really flying through the yep. process. They're like, this is our, this is how we're getting through. And so they wanted this big standardized thing, so that's why they did it. And it, it, it's very standardized. It should, be, it should be the same every airport you go to. All Absolutely. the same rules are being followed 100% yep. of the time, every time. So then a month later, after it gets stood up, Richard Reed, who's it's the shoe bomber. You know who I'm talking about when I say right, that? Right, right. Yes. You remember yes. that guy? Yes, he Absolutely. has his, his, uh, his shoe and he goes, and he has his laces are the fuse. His laces are the de- like that. He's gonna light his laces on fire, and the sole of his shoe has been hollowed out with some sort of explosive. I don't know. And so he, what he does is he puts his foot up on the window of the plane and like starts flicking this lighter. Well, everybody, you know, this is two months or whatever after 9/11, so everybody is like super on edge, like yeah. super stoked, stressed and scared. And like, I'm right. not gonna crash. Right. Bro, I'm not going to crash. So this guy put his foot on the window and starts trying to light it. And the guy next to him in the seat is like, yo, this guy's trying to light his shoe on fire. And they just <laughs> jumped him. And like I believe like smashed his face in. Essentially oh, yeah. what happened. Like unrecognizable. And I guess the only the only reason that they did I think I seen booking photos. Right. He was jacked up. For sure. And the only reason they, they didn't light, they said, is because he had the shoes on for like seven days. And they were all nasty and gross, I guess, the, the fuse was. Same with the underwear bomber guy, which is when they came out with the stand-up machines. Yep. Because they never thought that somebody would do that, but they did. Same thing as the, whoever the bomb maker was told them, do not take this off no matter what. And that guy was an idiot because obviously he's going to go blow himself up on an airplane. He's not. Mm. And he 
he uh, it didn't detonate because he peed his pants like m- apparently multiple times oh, because the guy man. told him don't take it off. So what he meant was like don't mess with don't mess with it and don't put it back on. He didn't mean pee your pants over and over, you idiot. Right. 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 So the guy peed his pants and it ruined the explosives. Yeah, he couldn't he couldn't blow it up because he tried also and didn't. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, there was a whole string of actors. And then there was the liquids one. That's where they take all your liquids out. They, uh, and I don't know how they get the sizes, but the plan was to mix like a large quantity, like big old, you know, Pantene Pro V bottle with liquid explosives. And they're going to have multiple bottles that they then mix together and then detonate. And then they figured that, uh, this, this small amount would make it very unlikely that they could do it. And then that's been the last, uh, the last real big one so well it kind of all goes back into risk management in the sense yeah. that i'm sure that there's people out there you know, whether they're involving scientists in this uh process that they should be but you know people should be able to know biochemists whatever the situation is you know like this amount of this you know and and the likelihood that you could carry that in this compartment of this luggage bag so on and so forth so really there's probably stats out there that they can really tie those decisions to but i say that as if we have inept people or people that aren't inept running our country and agencies (laughs) and we know that that the opposite in many cases uh you know like what's going on right now while we're recording is the january 6th insurrection hearings that they're having primetime television with yeah so prime time baby a lot of shit shows gonna come (laughs) out of that for sure yeah as well so yeah that's gonna be crazy yeah they'll be crazy and you're right there's a lot of idiots up there for the most part my experience wise there's a lot of like there's a lot of red tape with tsa and like god forbid you try to change any not not procedure wise but if you try to like hey you know we could make this could happen and everything would be better they're like no this is the only way this is the way this is the way right okay guy sorry yeah. This is the way, but like annoying and not cool. Like, man. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just like, dang, man. It's, a, it's kind of a kind of a bummer, but but it is. And it, it genuinely is like a an important, but like it really like an important job for the most part. Not to be like, I'm important, but it's right. like if it wasn't there, I 100% there would have been something else would have happened. Oh, especially. Oh, yeah. Especially in today's crazy thing. world. Yeah. 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 I remember hearing stories yeah, about yeah, like TSA out there. <laughs> and people getting, you know, it just kind of like, I guess they, they kind of get the rap of glorified mall security cop, you know, that type of those type of statements that are thrown around yeah. or whatever. But, you know, I've, I personally never really had a problem with them. I never flew that much either. But you got to you got to think, you know, if you want to avoid a situation like 9-11, you need some type of standard operating procedure with a federalized or systemized, you know, platform that's the same across the board. There's some consistency that's being laid out. Uh, in, in the review process and, and people know what to do in situations. And really, this clearly has avoided many, you know, other national catastrophes. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's kind of silly to have beef with it. I understand people have, you know, there's people that travel for a living, for example. Like, I'm sure they have a lot of idiosyncrasies and issues with TSA or whatever. And they would be more of an expert to comment on that. But my limited experience traveling and flying, I, I mean... Could it go quicker? Sure. But I mean, why take it on the TSA too? You know, that's just somebody trying to do their job and trying to keep everybody safe too. Everybody almost was acting like everything's an inconvenience and they don't even realize how important it really is. You know what I mean? So for sure. Yeah. No, there is a lot of that. And I'm sure, yeah, if I had to fly every day 
it would be annoying, and you really would notice it, an inconsistency. If somebody, sure. if one person tells you to take this out, and then one person takes you to take that out, and then you're like, but this guy told me that. And I used to hear that all the time, but usually it's people who are like, they're trying to take their full-size whatever bottle of wine, and I'm like, hey, it's too large, you'll have to take it to your vehicle or put it in your check baggage or whatever. And they're like, well, they let me take it through Dallas. And I'm like, well, guess what? Just say right Dallas. Right? Yeah, take, <laughs> Dallas. take it out. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't so say more, Dorothy. But I never, I never said it to him like that. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah. So sure. I never said it to him like that. I was pleasant about it. And I say bottle of wine because I, I actually have, like, leftover guilt. Because there's the Fort Wood is the or used to be the home of some, one of the military police, like, battalions or whatever. And they had, like, it's birthday. And they had a World War II vet who was in that, like, back in World War II. And he was there as, like, the guest of honor and all this stuff. And he's flying out, like, in a wheelchair. And so I'm like, dude, he has to have a pat down. So I'm doing his pat down. Well, in his bag, he's got this bottle of wine from the from the military police and it's like just like it's like labeled like just so and so for x number of years of service and oh, oh and i'm like throw it in the trash <laughs> so i felt oh, bad. No. <laughs> the old guy with, i know i know i felt oh, like the man. bad guy oh That's no rough. and uh i i told i was like hey i am so sorry i was like do you have a check bag no do you want to go out and drink it in the like, we're not supposed to tell people to go drink stuff but right, like, right. Do like do whatever you can. You're trying I to be as reasonable as you could. Conscious, let it go through. Oh, 100%. I tried everything. I was like, you want? I offered to mail it. I said, hey, I will out of my own pocket. I will pack this up and mail it to you. And he was, you know, he's 100 years old. He's like, no, it's fine. I don't care. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I threw in the trash. He's like, I've been through enough so, shit. Fuck terrible. this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, world, he's like, World War II, I don't care about some guy in a blue shirt taking my uh, my wine. I got more wine at home. I killed a lot of Germans. It's fine. Yeah. He uh, he was very cool. But then, yeah, there's other people out there that are like, you take, or you're like, hey, you can't have a gallon-sized jug of whatever, and they just, they freak out. And it's just like, man, it's not worth it. It's too Common much sense, though, too, you would think, but, uh, you know I what I mean? I was going to talk about it. Right, it is. Yeah, you would hope. Yeah, you would hope. But there's, and it's all like on the website. You can Google it in 30 seconds. Exactly. And know right. Everything you need to know. Right. Just do it like that. Right. But it uh, with uh, TSA is, and they don't advertise this really. I don't think, and I I feel like they should. But if the testing is nonstop, you only ever hear about it. Like it was like TSA failed to find this or whatever. But essentially, is what it is. Is they have like professional actors that are hired to hide stuff and try to get through that security checkpoint and some of them is like lower lower scale that are a lot easier some of them are like timed with like three or four different people trying to do something at once and they're like they will not break their story they are one they won't stop until the cops come they'll get arrested they'll do all that stuff and it's all to test to see if you're doing what you're supposed to do or not that's pretty wild they'll have i'm talking people with fake pregnancies coming through saying that they can't have whatever you can't touch their stuff you can't do this you can't do that or people coming you know with casts and slings and prosthetic legs that they have fake bombs hidden in and like if you don't catch it they're like boom they take all those stats and they retrain people and try to figure it out and i'm talking like every single day in St. Louis specifically, a big airport, they're going, like for us, it was like weekly or whatever, but they come through and they're just running it and running it and running it. And uh, I've got a good story about that, which is with a fake pregnancy. You don't think oh, about it, but it makes sense. No, yeah, no, it does make sense. It makes perfect sense. And that's how the, honestly, one thing I agreed with was that continuous 
training so you don't get lulled into this false sense of like no one ever has anything you click 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 right. click now nah, there's right. constantly something coming through that should not be there and uh it was with a fake pregnancy but i guess the lady went into the bathroom we don't see him and she's like adjusting her fake pregnancy stomach because she has like a gun underneath it and uh, another lady comes out of the bathroom stall and sees her like tucking her stomach into her shirt, like the fake stomach. And so she sees it and is like, uh, what's going on right now? So she goes up to the front counter and tells the airline, she's like, hey, I think something's going on. This lady's got a fake stomach. And the airline manager, only the manager, is told before the test so they know to like not freak out basically. Overlook something like that. And yeah. so the manager tells her. She's like she's like, "Oh, I'm sure it's fine." She knows it's a t- she knows what's going on. She's like, "Oh, I'm sure it's fine. Don't worry about it." And then this lady's like freaking out in the <laughs> lobby and it's like shaking and crying. Oh wow. And it's like, "I don't I don't know what to do. I don't know." And she grabs one of us. It's like, "That lady, there's something going on. She's got something in her shirt." And anyway, and she like basically broke the whole like they had to stop the test, but like I was very, we were all very thankful to her to be like, "That's exactly what you should do." So anybody right. out there, if you see something weird in the bathroom, or somebody's tucking their fake stomach in, or they're like yeah. packing their shoes. Tell and stuff, somebody. Absolutely. Tell the police. Tell somebody. It's only a good thing. But I was very proud of her for not just being like, "Oh, everything's fine." Nah, man, she knew something was up, and she came straight to us and was like, "Hey, something's That's wrong." That's cool. This is Barrett from the ATI podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there. You know, that situation reminds me of something that I've had a lot of conversations with people about uh, here recently, too. It's, um, you know... Every, with cell phones nowadays, everything's recorded yeah. in the nick of a moment. Uh, it can be very important. It can be not important, but people record stuff. They put it online, put it on their social media. It can be anywhere and everywhere. It can be viral. Um, you know, fortunately, what was caught with George Floyd, for example, was caught on camera, um, which really helped with that whole trial and proceeding and everything. But, uh, you know, to that point, though, is often people, this lady's to be committed in this situation is where I'm ultimately getting. But, you know, nowadays it's common. People just pull out a phone and just start recording, maybe not even say anything. Right. That's kind of the bad part of it. Right. They just want to get TikTok views. Yeah. They they (laughs) just want to get some views. They want to get their stuff on CNN or whatever the case is. Versus actually taking action, going and talking to a person of authority to get something handled or addressed. Right. You know, the adult thing is what I like to call it. But, uh, you know, a lot of people have recessed into that. Well, I, I've got to record it on my phone. Otherwise, it didn't happen. Yeah. And that's so that's the thing. So especially with uh, the George Floyd thing, like that is it was a, a sadly was instrumental because like, that video wouldn't have been right. there. It might have not panned out the way right. that it did. Like, you got to have these videos. And, like, Definitely. so that's – and I can come back to it a little bit, but, like, I never – people usually get real mad about traffic stops and somebody recording the traffic stop. It's like, 
Why do you care? The car is recording. My chest is recording. That's Axon, whatever, Axon Flux, or Axon Flux 2. The Axon Flux, I think it's head mounted. So it's literally a thing right yeah. here. So where Point you of look, view, for right. the most part, is where it looks. And so, yeah. And like sometimes it wouldn't be good because if it's slightly angled down and you lean in to talk to somebody, it's aiming like at their chest, which you got to be very cognizant of what that camera's picking up because it's going to look like you're looking at somebody's, you know, boobs. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you, know, you just got to make sure your camera's aiming in the right place before you, you look down there. And uh, there, but there, I, you know, you go up to the window, and I've had many, many times where you, you'd make a traffic stop, and you go up, and we had very, you know, you identify yourself and why you're stopping them, and, you know, calm, cool, collected, courteous the whole time, regardless of what they're doing. And I never had a problem with that. And you go, sometimes you go up, and the person's got their window only down this much, and they've got a piece of paper pressed up against the window that says, like, I will not answer any questions. I will not do this. I will not do that. Okay. Like, you don't, that's fine. Like, the only thing you're supposed to do is give me your driver's license, proof of insurance, and uh, your registration. And I wouldn't even ask for registration half the time. Insurance yeah, and driver's license, please. They'd slide to that crack. I wouldn't even say anything about that, that the thing I had in the glass. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Like, that's fine. Like, it doesn't, if you don't want to answer my questions, like, I'm not going to quite, like, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. If I smell the smell of alcohol coming out of your vehicle, it we go down a different road then yeah. where you're going to have to to get out or whatever. But For sure. if it's just a regular old traffic stop and they don't want to talk to me, I have no offense taken on my part. Or I'll have people, you come up, and they're like, I'm recording, I'm recording. And it makes you think. Like, one, are they just annoying idiots and they think they're being funny or they think they can get a rise out of you? Or have they had a bad law enforcement experience? Were they treated badly by some officer somewhere else? Were they, are they scared that something bad's about to happen? I've had lots of people, they, they go and they're, getting, they're shaking so bad they can't get their ID out. And it's like, there's a couple ways you can look at that. Is it they just murdered their wife sure. and they think they're about to get caught? Uh... Or did their cousin get shot by the cops last week? You know okay. what I'm saying? Like, there's a bunch of... And you don't know any of them. Right. You just got to kind of play it by right. ear, which is can be scary, sure. but is what it is. But with the whole videoing thing, it's, like, the it's the most important. And I don't... As long as you're not interfering with that stop or with the police work... Like, I've seen you... I mean, you've seen them, too. Yeah. The videos where the person's across the street with their yeah. camera. They're across yeah. the damn street. Yeah. Like, they are not in the way. And hothead cop number one... Sure. Hey, you, you can't do that... Yeah. yeah. Yes, you can. You're on a public road, absolutely. You a second phone and recorded that one too. It's yeah. like, what do you? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? So yeah, yeah. Don't block traffic. Don't like you see people. They'll like get try to get between the cop and the person they're arresting with their camera and be like, oh, I'm just recording. You can't stop me because it's my right to record. It's like, well, now there's a new now you're impeding, right? You are actually inter- exactly. So right, right. It's anyhow, but like, so what about? Do you guys want to know about like well what the George? Do you want to know about like my opinions on the George Floyd thing or or Ferguson or any of that? I got I got lots of hot takes. <laughs> I kind of want to get into that at at some point, but um, but what I what I really want to kind of start with is I think a lot of the results of these things can be led back to what people assume is that is taking place as over policing in particular. You know, you hear over policing used in political mm-hmm. debates all the time. You hear it as part of political agendas. So people just just at a topical level, I'm going to define what over policing is. And it's just essentially the idea is, is that the police force is out in large in the sense that they're making a high number of arrests. 
um, with the thought that they are taking criminals off the street and they're actually catching people in criminal acts. And even if they aren't, they're reducing the number of the possibilities of criminal acts. Um, so that's really just kind of the simplistic way to put it. And I know it kind of sounds nefarious probably to some already just in, and I'm not really trying to make it sound that way. There's literally political agendas that take place. Let's say a mayor takes over a city and uh, they want to say, they want to be able to tout that they've done all this stuff for crime, for example. And so the mayor hooks up with the police chief and this is, this is an easy example to use. So in large cities, and if anybody's seen the show that's out recently, we alluded to earlier, we own this city. Um, that's about a more recent event that took place, but in Baltimore in particular, uh, essentially the political agenda was that they, they have a high crime rate. So what they turned around and did is they, the mayor encouraged the police force, the police commissioner to go to all of the street officers and make arrests. And they were like, literally just like people that were just hanging out on the stoops of their property. They were making people go inside their house. If they confronted an officer, if they were defiant against officers, they would uh, forcibly put people inside of their homes. And in the event that they got any gruff with that, you know, police assaults would break out. Just really ridiculous things would break out. Um, and I know that's just a niche example. And, and again, this is a bit of a Hollywood take. But it's, it's if you don't understand what over-policing is, it is a good example of seeing it in action, well, and it really does explain One example too. that really comes to mind, too, was the Boston Marathon bombings when they were looking for the suspects on that, how they, like, locked down subdivisions and were telling people they couldn't leave their house, and they had to go in their house, and they were searching right. house by house, and, which I understand that's a different circumstance because it's obviously a terrorist or a suspect, but going on to that level, you know what I mean? Right. So over-policing, we've kind of at least created an example or provided something for somebody to look at, um, but I don't... I don't know if you ever witnessed over-policing in, in your time as an officer in and of itself. I know, you know, like I, earlier I asked about kind of the political things, but this kind of ties into that too. Was there any mandates that you ever saw in your experience that was like, hey, we need to make some more arrests? Never. You know, it's end of month. We need to meet quotas. Like you hear people say that all the time on the street. Speeding quotas. That's the yeah, big one. Right. <laughs> Not enough speeding tickets. So end of month, you're going to get slammed with 10 tickets. Yeah. So now... As I think we said, I said this before we were recording, and I said, like, I'm, like, super, like, I mean, look, I'm super pro-police, like, I have my shaved head still, because I'm balding, not because I'm a Nazi or whatever, but, like, it, uh, We need to make that clear. Like, I, I genu- genuinely, I know, yeah, I got a really, yeah, it, uh, I got a story about that, too, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a good one. I never, ever heard of or saw any sort of quotas or anything. The only thing that I can remotely say was like it was they call it directed is like during uh, like you know click it or ticket where you're specifically looking for yeah. seatbelt violations or you're doing DUI saturation patrol. So it's like a Friday Saturday night right. they have extra officers out just looking for DUIs and that's just to keep people from dying. Right, sure. It's right. a bet's a bad deal is getting on, getting a, you know head on collision, you know. But Absolutely. I and I and but the thing is just cuz I didn't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Now there one reason could be the county like it, let's say I make uh, oh I got 500 whatever speeding tickets given out for whatever the month or or year or whatever. The county, yeah, they get that revenue the sheriff's office doesn't get right, it. Right. It goes like the roads department or whoever gets it. That's where that goes. With cities, I think it goes to the department. Right. So there is small towns that their budget is this big and they need body cameras and they need and they're like, hey, 
we got to get more stops in here. And it's not going to be like, hey, go write 10 tickets, but it's going to be like, hey, enforce it. Didn't we have a situation like that in Ludington where they were over over issuing speeding tickets for like ridiculous reasons where like almost a lot of the cases were getting thrown out and stuff. And then there for a while, I never even seen a Ludington officer on the highway anymore because when I first started driving, that was where you got a speeding ticket around here was in Ludington. I mean, they were like pulling people over for like 63s and 60s and stuff like that. So that's, that's where I kind of always heard that quota thing with Ludington, you know what I mean? (laughs) That gets back into the town cash flow. Right. And that, that's, it's, it could that could very be it. Yeah. Right. It really could be like how they're doing it. For us, I never saw it. like state troopers. Like one, no one likes state troopers because sure. You know, I mean, come on, they're they're just out there <laughs> like what? May, only doing traffic stops. They don't have calls right. for service or like they don't investigate anything. For sure. <laughs> Goodbye. Anyway, but like they don't care about revenue. County doesn't care about revenue. Cities can. It can matter. The revenue can matter. And that stuff has happened all over the country. That's why these stories exist. And it, it is. It can be a real problem. And like let's we can talk about uh, the same with like over policing. You go and like you over police an area. And depending on, like, yeah, you might be arresting the right, like, yeah, they're criminals, but, like, you also are, like, what, a, every person that's got a kid and you arrest their dad. Right. Yeah. And now they don't like you. And guess what? You just did it to a bunch of them. So now it's, like, a whole generation right. of people that hate it. It affects the community, like, right. Can't can't win for right. trying on that front. It does. So there's been a lot of programs, and it, may, it might be too little too right. late, but there's been a lot of programs that are, like, they do the resident officer programs yes. where they go out and they have a they have a cop that goes and they he lives with his family in the neighborhood that right. he polices and versus trying to arrest as many people as you can, you try to root out the actual problems. Right. Right. So not just you know so you know suspects one two three are buying drugs. Yeah, right. well, what did he do? And there's Who other problems. It? But suspect four is selling drugs and then yeah. trafficking so he can go there's other the problems other though that get in with that and so i don't want it all to be one-sided like we're gonna slam the police or whatever but oh, no, no, uh, no, this cool. is going on in st louis right now in fact before we uh, started the interview today i sent josh a video in st louis specifically the mayor has done several different uh, interviews particularly with usa today in the last year talking about the staffing of the police department in St. Louis in and of itself and how they're short, so short staff that the, the actual um, head of police there wants to do exactly what you talked about, but the police officers, they don't have the ability to go and get to know their constituents and just do, you know, neighborhood visits and build a rapport with those people and, you know, build relationships with people in the community. Like they're so understaffed. And then that being met with, uh, you know, budget cuts. So they've cut back the cut back to uniform officers as well. So that kind of gets into the defund the police talk and those movements, too. So like people don't realize whenever you make a statement like that and then try to employ it, what it actually does to a community. Like, I think that there's a paradox that presents itself. It's there. Yes, you can over police, but also you can under police. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man, you that's you're bringing up. That's that's the, the real topic right there, because there for a second there, you know, policing like every you know, it's one step forward, 500 steps back because some idiot somewhere does something bad or a, a whole group of idiots. They're everywhere. There's idiots all over the place. And it's depending on what level of stupidity they operate on in that mm-hmm. day. And they, but like, uh, defund the police, man. I'm not going to, that is the, the worst idea that I have ever 
heard in my like you can look at the statistics for it for the cities that tried to implement it and it's like yeah. crime is just skyrocketing skyrocketing it's skyrocketing and now this is a slight deviation if you want to lower crime if you want to lower crime you can uh, one decriminalize marijuana absolutely do it and it's it's going to lower crime because it's no longer crime. the amount of money that you save from not prosecuting those cases and not having officers do it for not even storing the evidence in the evidence room you then have more officers on the street looking at really right. important things yeah, right absolutely so but with deep people and i know there's people that ter- came around because defund the police starts right and then a little bit you know and that's everyone's really hot and they're really yeah. worked up and rightfully so and they're like what do we even have these people for if they're going to kneel on our necks in the street and kill right. us right like why am i around if that's the outcome right. like what's the purpose i totally like i get that as not a knee jerk but as like a kind of like dang what's the point yeah but then you've got these agencies that, you know, are trying to do these things and trying to, like, even the guys trying to do the right thing, if they don't have money, they're not going to be able to do anything at all, and it's only going to get worse. And then they came out and said, well, we don't mean defund, we mean reallocate these expenses. Right. So the cops, instead of having this huge budget for whatever, they can take $20,000 and put it into a new park for this neighborhood that has all these problems. And, like, I'm down... I'm down for stuff like that. I think that's that's fine. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but I think another one of the points that was made with all of that too, and this this is something that I do agree with, is whenever you're getting into civil disputes where things criminally are not actually going on, which officers get called to all the time, and I can attest to it myself having been a property manager and working in uh, hospitality. I had to call the cops many times, which really were civil things. And I knew that other than, you know, telling them I was kicking this person off of our private property and that I was going to, you know, enforce trespassing charges against them as a business mm-hmm. owner. Um, that was really, yeah, that was really my right? only uh, part of a criminality type thing going on versus, you know, more of a civil thing that was actually taking place would probably initiated things to begin with as it was. So, but anywho, I, I just use that as an example, but really to get back into the defund the police aspect that some of these arguments were being made was that we want to invest in like caseworkers to be staffed Social on the work, police case yeah, work, to intervene or work. go with on these situations or yeah. people that are more equipped for suicide and hostage situations, you know, uh, well, psychology degrees. And or I don't speak studies. for the- I don't speak for the yeah. whole left or or anybody that is for or proponent of of defunding the police, but I also think a big thing of defunding the police is demilitarizing the police too. I think we're getting to a state in a modern time where there's bigger departments, let's say like New York City, who are getting MRAPs and you know unrealistic amounts of body armor and you know what I mean, just like. And absolutely, like, I don't think that we should militarize the police. And I think that's another big argument of the defund the police thing. Also, don't you agree? Yeah, to some to some extent. I, I, I know that those are comments that are made. Um, I think a lot of that goes into aesthetics, though. Right. You know, people, like, that gets also reported on heavily, too. So, like, I don't think that that's ambiguous to, or excuse me, like, an umbrella to all police right. forces. Like, I right. don't think that's necessarily going on. That's a little bit more niche. Right. With everybody. Right. Um, but, you know, 
certainly officers, school teachers, I'll make this comment about them too, the most underpaid, undertrained, right. understaffed people in this entire and country. And that's I think one of the root of the issues. Regardless of your political allegiances, you can at least agree with that. Like, if anybody knew what a starting cop salary was, especially in a small town or area like this or where you're at currently, I mean, it, people would just be like, why are you doing this job? Right. There's no question. Oh, yeah. No question. It's not for debate. It's a right. fact. Right. Yeah, you're a hundred. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And with so, the militarizing the police thing, is this? It's almost almost a paradox because it's like, how? I mean, like, what are you gonna do? Like, have a long gun and a helmet, and like, you're that's how you're gonna reach the hearts and right. minds of the people. Exactly. Like, looking like you know you repelled out of a helicopter. Right. No, of course not. Right. And that's not what's needed. And is what. But the the thing is. There's a time and a place that that has to exist, and you have to be able to meet whatever, whatever the worst thing the bad yeah. guys got. You have right. to be able, be able to meet that. Yeah, I agree with that. One up them and survive. You, Uvalde, Texas. Survive. Perfect long example. Enough, recent event. Which, that's what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And like I will, this is where my unending police support kind of wavers, right? So I went through active shooter training. And they're like, when you go in, you're going to get shot. You're going to see dead kids, and they're going to scream at you to please help me, and you're going to have to step on them to go find the shooter and go kill them. That's all you have to do. They're like, you're going to see that guy in the hall. He's either going to shoot you, he's going to shoot a kid right in front of you, or he's going to kill himself. And that's what you hope is as you push, the guy kills himself. And I... I I'm a big like I like to see body cam footage. Like I want to wait. I'm gonna wait and see that footage when it comes out before I pass any ex- too harsh a judgment. But is what it sounds like is two guys followed him in and he got to that door too quick and he shut it behind him and he locks yeah. it. They go to the door. He shoots two of them through the door. They pull back. You can't get into that door right. without a team. Like you can If you stand there and kick right. it, he's gonna shoot you. You can't, like, it's, and it's, I mean, you can't, I don't want to blame those first two guys that didn't shoot him, or there was murmurs that somebody contacted him in the school, security or something contacted him and let him get in there, and I hate to blame them, but it's like, once that door shuts, it's a a fatal funnel, is what it's called. It's, you have this little thing to go through, but it's closed, and you can't get through it. You have no shield, no anything. Hindsight is 2020, right? Right. And is what you, I'm sure every guy that was there who did go is, you know, the ones that don't shoot themselves or suck, start a shotgun later on this year, which there's going to be a couple of right. them for sure. Yeah. They're going to lay there at night like this like, ah, and think is what you would hope to do is go get a shield out of somebody's got a shield. Some police department had a shield. Go get it and hold it up against that door and then somebody else kick it until it opens up and you go kill yeah. that guy. You have to. Yeah. That's the only thing you can do. They were saying that it was an, like originally it was like off-duty border patrol killed him. It was all off-duty guy. Right. He went and did it. The yeah, like borrowed a gun from his barber or something it was crazy. The, it was the border patrol. Yeah, it was the border patrol tack team yes. killed him with full body armor, helmets, and a shield. That there was an off-duty guy that went with a barber with a shotgun and got his own kid and his wife out, which is. What, I mean, right. and other people, I think. I don't, I'm right. not saying he's right. a thing for himself. Or, but because that, when that story was still coming out, they were like, the cops got only their own kids no. out. Yeah. 
there's those cowards only got their own children. Nah, the one guy went and got yeah. his kid. He was yeah. off duty. Like, and right. he helped yeah. other people. And it's just this horrible situation. But right, like, what's the point of being if you have military equipment or whatever, like, to not be able to go and do it? And like, they told us point blank to our faces, you're gonna yes. if there's an active shooter and you get into that school, yes. you run. Like, you don't. There's no cover. There's no peaking corners. You terminator sprint at that guy right. and shoot him in the face. And we trained it over and over. And we got role players. There's d- dead bodies laying all over the place. There's people, and we did a bunch of different scenarios over and over and over where he's barricaded yeah. in there. But the and you go in and you got it. He's got a hostage. You got to shoot him. And they're like, guess what? And they're like, this is gonna sound terrible. You might hit that hostage. You might. That might be what ha- that's gonna happen. You have a pistol. That guy's got a rifle. Right. So what are you gonna do? Like, it let everybody die, and you're going to die, and your friends are going to die, or that kid or whoever's going to get hit and hopefully live, and that guy's going to die. So it's just this terrible situation right. that just is horrific and, like, a nightmare. And then, like, you're ta- they're talking about people can only identify. And I don't care how much training you have. Yeah, no. no Nothing exactly. prepares you for that. Exactly. You can't, you can't really be ready. And then you, people are like, oh, the cops, they don't need this equipment. And as well, if they're not going to do anything, they don't need it. Absolutely. That's for sure. If you don't, they're not going to step up, and you're not going to like whatever. Get some, get some guy, or get a table and ram that door open and go get them, or like I, I do get. They chase him in there, assuming that's what happened. They chase him in. She shuts the door before they get there and shoot somebody coming through the door. That is then a barricaded subject, and you are supposed to stop because there's a chance that whoever's in there with him is going to live. When he started shooting again, it's yeah, like I said, get a table, changes things. get a car, right. and drive it through the wall. Do whatever you figure it do out right. to make it happen. You have to do it. So yes, yeah, man. And I wasn't there. Sure, later. right. None, None of us were. None there. of us Who there. Knows? Right. I might have been yeah. whatever, shaking in the corner. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just like damn. But you would. That's what you want to see. Yeah. That's what I would want. That's what I would want. And I know there's people that disagree with, like, charging the shooter, but that's how we were trained was to – they're like, you literally have to, like, forget everything you ever learned, and they're like, just run at them. Just try to get to them because they're probably going to kill themselves. That's exactly – that's the term that's used. You eliminate the threat. Do whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. You're going to get hurt, and hope you live. Just hope you live. So it's just terrible, man. Terrible situation. Uh, Just like any other thing that happens in the news, often – Who's the first to report to something? So everybody rushes to it, regardless of how much facts that they have. You know, that was like, I remember 15 years ago, I like, I just despise CNN because they were like the world's worst at it. Like they would just, they wanted to be the first to report on something. And I remember this happening specifically with the, uh, the school shooting up in the Northeast uh, Sandy Hook, where they just had that thing totally wrong to, to start with, you oh, know, yeah. uh, and I was watching it in real time and it was just like a, a whole unfortunate thing. And eventually all the facts came out, but this, this had a similar phenomenon where I didn't, I don't recall hearing it, at least in the initial reports that he shot his grandmother, then took off in a car chase. Police at some point intervened or got involved, chased him off. He crashed. I think it was a truck into the ditch. He jumps the school fence. The police go to chase him. He gets inside of a, what was supposed to be a locked door. What happened was as a teacher unlocked the door to go get her phone out of her car, went back in, didn't lock the door behind her, which 
you know, I'm sure that that teacher in particular is kind of doing what you talked about earlier, laying up late at night and probably blaming this all on herself. And it, it's not her fault. It's not her fault. A criminal, mm-hmm. somebody who was insane, did what they did. Right. So yeah. I want to make that point, too, while I'm at it. But anywho. Right. So then he gets inside the school, does what you said he did. He locked himself in. They were unable to get in and unfortunately started taking lives at some point. Now, where that happened in the timeline, I'm not sure. But originally, a part of the initial reports, it was just that, you know, somebody got inside the school. There's a school shooting. There's some children believed to be dead, perhaps staff, that the police were outside for at least 45 minutes and not doing anything. Now, it turns out 78 minutes before the police did anything. They were outside of the building. Uh, furthermore, they were actually holding back citizens from yeah, going in and right. getting their own children. And that, I can say, did happen because I've seen footage. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's definitely footage that has broken out since. But there was, like, parents, like, literally getting inside of the building, you know, retrieving their children out and getting out. Like, actually stopping their children from potentially dying. So, like, you know, me as a parent, I do the same thing, you know, regardless of what what task or obstacle was in my way, regardless of, and, and police actually did tase some parents trying to go inside the building because they were trying to restrain them from, from doing so to retrieve their children, which isn't a good look either. Right. And I understand they have procedures and protocols that they have to follow, but I, I mean, I'm sorry in my, in my own, it's easy for me to say because I'm talking about it in a vacuum. I, in good faith, I don't think I could stop a parent from going and getting their kids, especially as a parent myself, regardless of what you're, fucking standard operating procedures said that you needed to do in this situation. It's just, none of us can really say what we would do in In that situation. Yeah. Because fortunately we haven't had to deal with it in that moment. No, man, you're, you're right. Yeah. The whole stopping the parent thing is crazy is what it is. It makes no sense. There's no way that you can, especially to use force against them is nuts. Like, yeah, there's a crime scene or you maybe like, the way I picture it, at least, is there's active gunfire, and they're trying to get in there. If it was all calm and quiet, and they're like, look, we're going to try and get a SWAT team here, we're going to get a negotiator, yeah. then, yeah, guess what, parents, you gotta, you're got you going to have to wait, because what if you go and jeopardize this situation? But if there's gunfire, right. dude. That's that's the difference there. You get in there and do what you got to do, and that's, unfortunately, it, in hindsight, you, you got to get in there, and you just got to get it done, and it just sucks. It was not an active hostage situation on in that sense. Right. Now, again, I don't know the exact timeline. I can't say, you know, five minutes until they heard gunshots or whatever the case is. But the, the police specifically said, like the officers that were on the property said that they did not want to be shot. That's why they did not go into the building. And the police uh, chief himself said that there was a failure to, you know, they said there was no excuse for what took place. There's clearly some wrongdoing, misdoing, however you want to label it. Fact is, Shouldn't have ever had to address that type of issue, though. And that's where you kind of get into the gun control talk. So people are going to people are going to say, sure. and I've taken this viewpoint many times myself, what's the necessity of a high ma- high capacity magazine? What's the necessity of an assault rifle? And commonly people go back, well, that's my Second Amendment right. And I need that if the government's going to take over and and, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm going to have to deal with the tyrannical government. Well, I got a newsflash for you, folks, especially present day. You can have whatever weapons you want. You ain't going to be able to stand up to the U.S. military. <laughs> uh, they've got bombs that they can drop that can suck the oxygen out of, you know, a given yeah. square mile space. I, th- I don't think your AR-15 is going to do much for you or your AK-47 that you might have. You know, it's not really going to do a lot for you whenever the U.S. military is dropping Correct. chemical warfare on you if they really want to put right. the kibosh on you and your uprise. Uh, but there's there's a lot of things we can do before we start taking people's guns away, which, again, you know, I'm, I try to be reasonable and try and meet people in the middle here. So, 
you know, things like universal background checks. Um, common sense like, gun laws. Yeah, common sense gun laws, of course. Uh, some of the red flag laws um, that have been rescinded and peeled back in many respects, you know, that people can do. And essentially what red flag laws are, if you don't, I'm just going to put it in a common t- context here. It's basically your ability to rat out somebody that you're afraid has mental illness. Essentially, the cops show up, they seize your weapons until you're, you don't have a mental illness, or at least it's been proven that you don't. Or you're deemed fit um, to own the right. weapon or whatever. I mean, if we can talk about, you know, in Japan, what their, their laws are, you have to, there's an extensive oh, process. Oh, yeah. You have to apply for a gun permit. You have to go for uh, gun training. You have to be interviewed by the police. Uh, you also have to do conduct some of that shooting, I believe, in front of an officer as well. Then you have to take, like, I think a polygraph test. I mean, it's, like, insane what you have to do in other countries. I understand we're talking about America here and people who love their guns. And I know that you possess guns yourself and are qualified and trained to have them. So I'm not trying to dog <laughs> yeah. on you specifically, but, yeah. but unfortunately it's the, it's the sour, it's the rotten no, apples that ruin it for the bunch. Right. You know? and, and that um, could be said for the police forces too. Just one bad officer shouldn't be able to speak for our entire department. You know yeah. what I mean? In that, in, comment, in that light. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That comment goes in multiple ways yeah. and strikes in multiple uh, lanes. But yeah, so like, you know, obviously the immediate sure. thing is like, all oh, let's sure. abandon all, all assault rifles and and that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that that's not an answer, but there's definitely things that we can do before we take that step. Right. Before we go to that, that definitely make an impact, you know, maybe increasing the age, the minimum age, which the house just passed. I think rifle, I think I forget the wording specifically, but protect our children act. Yeah. It it certainly covers AK AK 47s and, and AR 15s or whatever the case, but uh, you have to be 21 rather than 18. Well, then the immediate reaction to that is, well, I can die for my country and I can fire an AR 15 in the military at 18 but I can't at 21 well honestly uh, I don't necessarily find that to be appropriate at 18 that you have to you know mandatory sign up for draft or you know you not you don't have a fully functioning brain at 18 years old no you, know, you, you surely make don't adult decisions like I thought I was a badass I thought I was an adult whenever I was 18 Shoot. I thought I knew everything I don't know jack shit. I don't know jack shit today, my friend. Still don't know but jack I, shit. But at least I know that I don't know jack shit today. Right. I'll say my br- my brain still <laughs> yeah. is not functioning. Yeah. So let's be clear. Yeah, so, my brain doesn't work at but all. But I think to at least start with more common sense things like the red flag logs, like minimum ages, uh, limiting high capacity magazines, uh, actually having universal background checks that we enforce, getting rid of the gun show loopholes right. specifically, which are absurd anyways. You know, um, because, yeah, that, that, that's the places that these types of things are going to happen. You know, what's ridiculous in Texas specifically, this is another thing that just is just totally absurd about this whole situation. Uh, I believe that the law is, is you have to be 21 to purchase a pistol. But this kid was able to go purchase an AR-15. Two of 18. them. Two of yeah, them. two. He amassed two assault rifles so within how three is, weeks. Well, how does that make any sense? It's yeah. backwards. It really should have yeah. been the other way around. But, you know, there's a lot of common yeah. sense things that can be done before. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, and is what I imagine as far as the 21 thing, like, so handgun deaths in the country fall. Oh, absolutely. Without question. Rifle. But when you, get into, when you get into mass shootings, it's all rifle. Absolutely. So it's kind of like, right. like, which one? But, and then, so, like, if you look at stat, you guys ever look at the, uh, it's called the UCR, the Uniform Crime Report that the FBI puts together, and it's ge- it's generated from all the stats that police agencies yeah. submit in their right. reports. So you submit a, a gun crime report, 
it's then going to be tallied into the UCR. I think they only have up to 2020 currently. It takes them a long right. time to compile this data. But when you look at it, it's like, okay, murder, most likely to commit, white yes. male, under 25. And so it's kind of like it might be like, – I'm not saying no white people can own guns. Right. I'm saying that 25 might be a starting right, right. point age-wise. And, yeah, I know, yeah, you can go sh- fight fight when you're 18. But, like, the government's going to train right, you. Right. Like, you get trained how to use it. You don't, they don't just throw Context it in your hands entirely and, like, start different. blasting. Right. Yeah, yeah it, right. It, it is. And, like, maybe that – and maybe if you go serve in the military for four years, you get out, you can get a gun early, whatever. I'm fine. See, like, and I'm pretty big into, like, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, if you're, I don't want, if you're licensed and certified, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, like, I, I have lots of, lots of guns. I got two ARs. I got lots of handguns. Um, I don't shoot them as much anymore because ammo is expensive. And I <laughs> yeah, I hear but you. <laughs> it, it's one of those things that, like, do I love do I love AR-15 so much that I'm really willing to, like, see this on the news, these kids, like, every right. year? No. Well, and as a parent. As a parent, too, Absolutely. though, you know, being worried or scared about your scared about sending your children to public school. Like, I don't think uh, in a modern 2020 United States, that should be an issue. And it is. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. It's beyond fathomable to me. Yeah. It, it's pretty wild. And like, it's crazy. So like, yeah, it's cool that we can have guns. Yeah. We're supposed to be able to fight the government. Barrett, like you already said, man. Like, people are living with delusions of grandeur. Exactly. Like, it's not going to be some private if like you, if you're going to fight the military it's not going to be a one-on-one no. fight you're going to be fighting like a whatever a squad which includes like a guy with a grenade launcher and a the guy most with advanced a military in the world yeah it's, it's like literally you're living, yeah you're living in a fantasy it's bringing land. a knife to a bomb fight yeah <laughs> exactly and that's right yeah if you ever even see a soldier you'd be lucky because most of the time it's going to be oh, this guy won't come out and he's got these problems and like do i want that to happen no would it be a, would i be a right would it be a huge problem if the government started going around taking stuff yeah i wouldn't like it but at the same time it's like it's stupid to just keep doing it the same way. So there's got to be something. We've got to do something, think, right? Yeah, uh, universal universal background check. I don't care. I don't care about that at all because I can pass right. a background check all who, day. Who who has a problem with that? Right. That, that, that's the thing I think is absurd. It's like if you're a law-abiding citizen, you like, should want that, right? So this kind of gets into that political argument paradox too. Is the fact that these the the party of uh, you know criminal justice and supporting the police has an issue with the background checks often. You know, I, I don't want to overgeneralize it too much, but it's a farce. At least though. political agendas, and it's it all goes back to the NRA, yeah, being in their, a lot of those folks' pockets, and they want gun sales to go up. That's all there is. Yeah. So you know, it's just absurd that people think that it's no, yeah, it's totally bizarre. It's totally bizarre. You know, the people that want to be the party of, of crime and reform and 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 all that's a politi- and and so and justice and what have you, law and order. Uh, that's that's the phrase we should use, law and order. That's the party of law and order. <laughs> and they're not about background checks. I mean, come on, man. Right. Like, th- th- that's Flip the on this, but flop thing. on that. That's my right, problem exactly with it. Right. No consistency. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they just had an NRA convention that guns weren't allowed inside the building because yeah. Trump and, and Abbott were speaking in it. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Yeah, right. Come on. Where does the hypocrisy stop at? Yeah. No, I- I'm with you. And it almost seems like... It almost seems like it's too, like, I, I hate to say it like this, but, like, st- it's so far gone, mm-hmm. you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, like, you don't have, like, it's too, and not too far gone as in you can't ever do anything about it, but too far gone as in 
there's so many like it's it's like whoops <laughs> we shouldn't can't, can't go back right. in time right. to change this one now everybody's got a rifle and it's like what are you gonna do yeah but I think going forward just like I'm I can't remember I know the the Vegas the Vegas shooter he bought his gun weirdly the same gun that this guy used yes yeah, so AR but like it was the same brand and everything uh. He bought his and then carried out his attack. This dude bought his and carried out his attack. I think there's been a, there's been a few other ones. It's sad that I don't only have a few to pick from, and there's like a million, and I can't right. keep them straight. Right. But uh, a lot of them aren't like, oh, I think San- I think Sandy Hook uses dad. I believe that, that I that's correct. Know, but then we the uh, some of the other major examples more recently is the Orlando nightclub, uh, Parkland, as well. Uh, I believe those. Well, the point I'm making is they were all AR-15s involved in those shootings. The the kid in Michigan, I can't recall what he took here recently. I, I believe it was an AR-15 as well. I just saw a stat here in the last few days of mass shootings all the way back to Sandy Hook, and like 98% of them involved AR-15s. Buffalo, that just happened here recently at the shopping plaza. You know, that, that too was AR-15. You know, so the AR-15, the, the point of the weapon is it could do a lot of damage in a short window. Specifically designed. It's to, designed to do what it right. what, they, what they are doing with them. Right. Yeah. So they have. So these AR and, and people have. And you can always tell when they have like a very uh, whatever their where their opinions are when they'll like start they'll start focusing on like the name of the guns like well yours doesn't mean assault rifle right like, okay right. great but like it so it should so AR shoot like army or military shoots five five six as right. their rifles okay so it's it fits into. A regular AR, and it's, it's it's just a bigger it's a bigger bullet, like the actual lead part's bigger, and then it's got more powder, and it, so it's a little harder hitting. But essentially, those rifles are designed to like maim people in combat. Right, right. That's what they're for. But the crazy thing is, is that like it's on the lower spectrum of stuff you can get. Now I'm not saying it's so sure. low, just keep them around. I'm just saying like there's a bunch. There's they got they have stuff chambered in like seven six two by three nine, which is what an AK shoots, and it's like. The actual projectile is massive, and it yeah. does. It's considerably more damage. They make ARs chambered in, I believe, 308, which is like a yeah. deer yeah. Yeah. round. Yeah, that is. And you can shoot yeah. them out of an AR. Yeah. And it's just, it's absolutely wild. It's crazy. So, it, yeah. And again, I, I have many guns. I like guns. I hunt. I, I shoot. I like the cops. I was a cop. Uh, I think people should be allowed to own guns, but. There's gonna have, to, but I don't think kids should uh, get killed in school. So right. we gotta find something that's gonna. The more important thing is not that I enjoy hunting and like shooting. It's probably that kids are dying at school. So that's the main thing that needs to get addressed here. But that being said, and you've already made this point in a roundabout way, is that you can still do those things. Just because we're taking an AR-15 off the table doesn't. And that's just to use one example. Yeah. And I'm just making it real simple. You know, you can still hunt. Uh, nobody's telling anybody they can't hunt. Right. You know, but what I'm seeing this absurd yes. shit with, you know, representatives. I don't yeah, use most folks don't. I mean, I've seen people use it to deer hunt, but I've, I see shit. There's there's like representatives right now making arguments that they need them to shoot rabid coons. Yeah. And prairie and dogs. Foxes and foxes. And yeah, this is just absurd. It's not it's not necessary. And I guarantee you that that's not actually what you're using them for. They're getting overrun. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's guys in Alabama and Texas, of course. Of course so the, the usual actors the that you and suspect like, making these comments. Yeah. It's. And that's, I mean, like, I'll, I'll be the, I'm going to admit it. I think 
I think an AR is kind of cool looking. It fulfills my small childhood dream of having like a cool looking gun. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I get to pretend to be Rambo. Like, I'm, I'll admit it. I think they look neat. Yeah. All right, but my enjoying of the way they look doesn't it doesn't it doesn't balance right, out. You right. know what I'm saying? And I don't know if you guys have ever shot have, one of I those. Have. And I'm sure the reason that people use I see them it. for these attacks, yeah, they don't kick, man. Is it? Yeah. Tunk, 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 tunk. It's just a, a straight yep. line, and it's yeah. just all day. And like, and so as far as hunt, you know, the hunting argument, all right? Because I do believe in. I think hunting it's is very necessary. important. I think it's a good Absolutely, thing. Absolutely, right. be able to hunt. You should be able to have guns. You can't have more than ten rounds in your mag right. when you're hunting. You have to have a blocked magazine if the game warden catches you with. Right. So you don't ergo you don't need to have that many mag. Like, do I have a bunch of thirty round mags? Yeah, I do. But going forward, maybe there could be, like you said, there's common sense stuff. Like maybe these these twenty one year old or eighteen year old or whatever they are don't need to have access to this stuff. And maybe it should be twenty five. And 10 round mags. Yeah. That's going back to your point, Barry. You know, he talked about the game warden, you know, and you have to have the, the magazine block in your gun. Everybody's okay with that. Nobody has a problem with that law at all. You know what I mean? Well, Hunters. I mean, and, I'm sure I mean, people, I'm sure do, people do, they're, they're do violate it, but it's not a political it. statement. Right. right. You know what I mean? And that's where I think the biggest issue lies is it's, it's all politics. Like, we can't set aside what we really need to do because we're so wrapped up in our political ideology and who, who we think we are and who we need to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. The- and it's easy for us to sit here and talk about this forever long i don't want to gloss over it too much because there is some other stuff and i know you're being generous with your time with us and we appreciate it that Absolutely. i want to i want to hit on but you know oh. i don't i don't suspect we're going to fix all the world's problems in today's conversation but <laughs> <laughs> i, I, I kind of wanted to get back to some Probably of the not. yeah i think uh, again back to you know i did want to kind of hit on some of the george floyd michael brown brianna taylor tamir rice type stuff but i think kind of where sure. i was trying to start to plant that seed earlier was the fact that I I think a lot of that goes back to over-policing and some of the things, you know, again, some of the more historical examples that I didn't use earlier. And I should make this point earlier whenever I made my definition of what over-policing is. It has been found to, in most cases, be in poor communities and involving minorities, more particular black and brown people. Sure. I'll just leave it that simple again, but to get back historically, whenever this has happened more recently, so like... If everybody remembers in 2020 when Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg was running for president, and they were hammering him on the stop and frisk stuff that he did. That was 2013. It was found by a court that they were infringing upon people's civil uh, liberties, and they were literally stopping a high number of black and brown people in, in particular in poor communities and making arrests uh, that ultimately didn't yield into anything as far as charges were concerned. And so it became a matter of them constantly racially profiling uh, and if people remember too, Mayor Mayor Bloomberg uh, right. made the comment that uh, they asked. I think one of the uh, interviewers asked him, you know, do you have anything that you want to apologize about? And he, and he just coldly said, you know, I I don't because I already apologized about it. I've met with people, I've met with leaders in the black community and and received advice and so on and so forth, which came off very cold and callous. However, it didn't, you know, change the fact of what he had already did. The damage was done. It still goes on today. The example I used earlier with We Own the City, it was kind of the same thing that they did there. So like the over-policing thing, that starts to plant the seeds of police mistrust and those sorts of things going on. And then when you see something like Michael Brown, for example, kind of the BLM movie movement that blew up after that, and that's a little bit closer home for us, so it's easy for us to talk maybe a little bit more about Michael Brown than some other folks, yeah. because it was so close to home, and we, whether or not we knew him, 
we may know people that knew him or people that were aware of him or met his acquaintance or his family's acquaintance. And, you know, now it's almost been 10 years later, which is crazy to think, but uh, that kind of spawned a whole, and it's not to say that these types of acts didn't happen before that, but you know, when somebody has their hands up in the air and, and says, you know, my hands are up, please don't shoot. And that's kind of where that phrase has gotten into the chance with the BLM and that sort of stuff, you know, for what they originally were getting him for, I think it was like a convenience store, an alleged convenience store theft or something to that effect. And, and, and oddly enough, the George Floyd thing was very similar is that lives are not worth that. Right. You know, at the end of the day, you're to enforce the law, not be the judge, the jury and the executioner. Right. I think a lot, a lot, right. lot could be said about the police's decisions that they made, the training that they had, you know, your knowledge of those situations and what took place of them. Can you speak to at least the training that you had in, in your history and talk about where somebody may have went wrong. And I don't know how fresh this stuff is in your memory either. So I know I'm calling on things 10 years old now too. So I'm sorry. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, but even it's been how many years since 2016 is yeah. when I left. So like 2016 is when I left. And like, that you're not, like, you're trained to handle these situations, right? But. And, like, unfortunately, like, so I'm going to start, I'm going to, we're going to go backwards a little bit. So the Tamir Rice, yeah. right? So is he 12 when this happens, I think? Yeah, I think so. I can't so. remember. 12, right? I know preteen like, for sure. You, you roll up, if you roll, you roll up on a kid and he points a, he points a gun at you. Or he has, like, he has the gun up and it's like, do you risk not, you think maybe it's a BB gun? I hope I don't, because here's the thing, every case, every bit of training that I ever went through, Every case law that comes out, all the stuff, unfortunately, it's paved with dead cops. And all this, like, the reason you have to, you shoot until the threat stops is because too many times has somebody gone to shoot someone in the leg, they hit him in the leg, well, guess what? That's not fatal. And then they shoot you, and then you're dead. And it's just like... You it just go anyway. So from that point of view, it's like the worst situation. No one wants to shoot a kid ever, and but like you get there, he got a gun, and it's like you have it's like make your choice right there, and everything you know about it is if somebody points a gun at you, you're gonna die. Right. And it's like you make this choice. So like I, even though it's a horrible outcome, I don't like it, if it would have been me, it would have been the same thing probably. And that's hor like it doesn't feel good to say that or think about it, but it's just that's kind of the truth on that one. Uh, the Breonna Taylor, uh, I don't, they, I mean, hindsight being what it is, they probably should have not, they should have tried to call them back out, out of the hallway sure. or out of the room Absolutely. or whatever, because she was back there. I know they'll try and, like, news or whoever will try to, not slander, but they'll be like, they were, her boyfriend was a drug dealer, yeah. and she was probably helping sell drugs. It's like... Uh, so what's the penalty for that? Right. Jail time? Or do you get murdered in right. your bed? Right. Like, it's like, no. No, you just call them out. Call them out. And it's just, it, that one's just, that one's a yeah, bad outcome on that one for sure. Yeah. And the whole Michael Brown thing. Like, again, the, the yeah, he robbed a gas station earlier in the day. Yeah. He thought that's what the cop was going to go talk to him. The cop had no idea. No, there's no, just a guy in the road. Guy in the road. I don't honestly even remember as much. The la he had his hands up at one point, I guess, is how I remember yeah. it. And then all I know, he said he got hit in the face and thought he was losing consciousness, which can be 
statistically and like and, and now not to not to pull out my trump card it uh like statistically cops if you lose consciousness you get killed with your own gun it's happened a bunch of times it happened to a guy i went to the academy with and his partner wow. at the same time with his service weapon that guy killed them both of them because he knocked wow. him out yeah and it's just like it's one of those things that like if that's really what happened because it's his or because the media is going to paint it like michael brown's oh look he's some jerk and like he robbed a gas station yeah and he did and he might have been a jerk but it didn't have to go no. down that way now if he's getting if i can't remember the cop's name now if he's getting punched in his car and he's about like can you step on the gas if you can pull your dare Derek. It was either Derek Darryl. or Daryl. God dang it, Daryl. I want Daryl. Well, Derek Chauvin is the Daryls. God damn Daryls. Yeah, all these fucking Daryls. But Derek Chauvin is the guy with yes. the George Floyd thing. Yeah, so, that's but fresh. yeah, I remember that he was on kind of the big hubbub with that too. He was uh, pay, on paid administrative leave while they were sorting all. Darren which is, Wilson. Yeah. Darren Wilson. Darren that's Wilson. That's right. Nice. People nice, nice, get nice. all up in arms about that, and I agree, it's absurd. However, there are police unions. And this is how this works with all police officers, regardless of what they did in a lot of instances, is you go on paid administratively while things are sorted out. So if, if you've got a problem with that, yep. you can't have it on a case by case scenario. You gotta have it with all police. Right. You gotta have it with police unions. Yeah. And I'm I'm not saying I'm pro police union or anti or whatever. You know, I'm standard. actually pro union for the most part. However, nonetheless, <laughs> don't cherry pick when you're gonna have a problem with it. Too. Right. You know, man, no, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent, and like, and that's what people that they they put him on paid administrative leave. I guess that investigation's gonna be short. And it's like, well, no, because it, it's the same thing as being, like, you know, innocent until proven guilty. It's the same right. thing. They can't be like, oh, hey, you go home, no pay for you, because somebody accused you of this. Now, yeah, and like they're gonna do the same thing with an alleged serial killer, the cops in the wrong, <laughs> right. an alleged rape, right. you know, yeah. or molestation, or so, like you can just throw any yeah, charge so out there, they will do the same let's thing. Bring it full, full circle. Crazy lady going to Osawatomie State Hospital. Yeah, if she says I assaulted her in that car, guess what? I'm getting paid admin leave until they figure it out. Yeah, that's exactly what they're gonna do. Which is what I should still get paid. Like I didn't do anything wrong. But then right. even in now in the cases where they did obviously do something wrong, Derek Chauvin or whatever, yeah. then obvi- obviously he's in the wrong. And like tr- as far as I'm aware, you get paid on your paid admin leave, and then if you're it, you don't get that you're not getting that money if you're on leave for committing crimes. Like it, you don't get it, so that's that's right. how it should be anyway. I don't know how I don't know how that goes because I've never been found guilty of anything. But yeah, it's, right. it's wild. But people get really up in arms about the admin leave stuff or the paid leave. And it's like, well, of course you get paid leave. They're gonna figure out what happened. Right. But people often look at it from their own perspective as well, and that's like you know me. Yeah. I can say like I don't get paid leave if if I have to be you know inspected or um you know an investigation has to take place like a hr violation or whatever so like people already have an animosity for the fact that police officers sure. are granted that well hey if you don't like it you know go union up go join something with a union where you maybe got some more rights people advocating for you go be a police officer but hey i'll get back full circle here now go, let's go see what they make and what they have to yeah, deal with. Right. And I guarantee you, you aren't interested in that job. You're, that's 100%. It's like this weird cycle of like, not going to get fixed is what it is. So yeah. I can go to the sheriff's office and make, I, I was making really good money. I can come here and go to like St. Louis, where it's like the murder capital of the United States, right? And make significantly less money. 
and then people are going to tell me that they're going to defund me and they don't want us to have the tools to do the job and it's like wait what I, but I, and then the people are like, well, the cops, they, you know, we don't, they don't need to have any funding. But then they're like, hey, they need more training. And it's like, well, how are you going to have more training without more funding? Or they'll like, the first thing they do is like, these, the cops only go to school for six months and they're handling these calls about somebody who had a mental health crisis. And it's like, they have to go to 911. You can't choose which 911 call to go to. Right. You right. have you to gotta go respond. somebody needs right. you. And like, you try and do the best you can. And then people get bent out of shape, like current cops keep it in a shape with like the whole social worker thing because they're like oh yeah oh great active shooter send the social worker send the you know send them out there they'll take care of it ha 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 and obviously that is not what is intended right is what is intended is how they should do it and as i believe they've started doing in kansas or at least where i'm from or was from is you don't have one in the car you've got somebody on the phone who they do mental health screenings and when somebody calls you and says oh i'm not doing so good i think i'm going to do something crazy i think i'm going to you know whatever then guess what they get to talk to that person that person has a series of standardized questions they can ask yeah. them and then if that person's like yeah they're going to go somewhere and do something then the cops get to go and treat it like that if they're just in their house by themselves the cops don't need to be involved because there's been many times when police go to a suicidal persons and like one the cop, like, our whole thing, if we go and you're in the house by yourself, and you're like, I'm going to kill myself with a gun, it's like, I'm not, I can't stop, like, I'm not going to go in there to stop, like, it's not even a crime to shoot yourself, like, you can do it. I don't want, to, I don't tell them that, I don't want them to, i like, oh, no, don't do that, leave it in there, come out here and talk to me, but we're not going to go in, we won't we'll rustle a gun out of somebody's hand when they're in there by themselves, it's just not what happens, you don't, no one does that, they shouldn't do that. Yeah. Because what you're going to do is you're going to force a confrontation. Right. You you're force a confrontation with somebody who's already, they either want you to shoot them, or, yeah, you're going to escalate it. And here's the thing, you de-escalate for sure, but to some degree, you are, like, there's only so much you can do. And, like, to be totally honest with you, I was a talker. Like, I could talk, I talked, <laughs> like, clearly, right? I'd talk to people, and I could get them to do what I wanted for the most part, and i put that time in, but I had, there's people that I worked with who they're not, a talk like that's not what they're there to they didn't feel that they were there to do they're there just to subdue arrest incarcerate and go back and do it again and you know that is there is a time and place for that 100 percent. and you got to know when that is but yeah it, it can be hard to get hard to get there sometimes for people i don't for know sure. I'm, I'm sort of talking myself into a stupor but <laughs> no uh but i think that this positions in another thing that i wanted to discuss too another more uh recent event that's taken place. i don't know if you saw that what's went viral here in the last week or so in uh arizona where a homeless man drowned i think he was 34 there's mm. like two police like literally yep. oh, actually i think there's three police actually standing over him explicitly saying that they're not going to help him and the guy is like screaming out like oh i'm drowning i need help you know someone save me or whatever they're like no we're not going to help you you know, they, there's like body cam footage of it out now. Yeah. And uh, they haven't revealed the names of the officers quite yet. But, uh, you know, that, you know, again, when people think about the, the virtuous uh, job titles or the expectations or responsibilities of police officers, you know, serve and protect. Right. When you hear those type of comments. Right. You know, and you think of these instances, you think, you know, there, there really wasn't anything that you could have done to, you know, help in this situation. Um you know, it, it just to explicitly say we're not going to help you, 
<laughs> I mean, at least the bedside manner could have been a little bit better, especially in somebody's final hours right. or moments. Right. Really. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't say that to him. Don't yeah. say that to him. Pretty much, because I, I did. I went. I went and watched that body cam footage. Uh, and or what has been released is not the whole yeah, thing. I'm right, sure there's right, more right. to it. Definitely. But like, they go. They're talking to the guy. And he like jumps over the railing and goes down this like big embankment. Like he's steep. Like he's not a, a drop. It's like he goes like f- it's a, like forty feet away. Yeah. And then jumps in the water and starts swimming away. And then starts saying like, "Oh, I can't swim. Oh, help, help!" And they're like, "Look, dude, I'm not getting in there after you." Because and like to be one, just just to be totally honest with you, yeah. just from where I I would have been like, I'm not getting in there after that guy. But then Again. he died, and it's like, oh, yeah. whoops. Like, like I, I knew he was going to die. You know, yeah. you would hope that they would go and get him. Like, go right. get him. Like, what's that? not a big deal. But here's the thing. I've never saved the drowning person, but I've heard that as soon as you put hands on them, they latch onto you, and then you both drown. That's what I always heard. So you have to be really, really careful. And yeah. this guy was out in the water a little ways, and, like, you don't say I'm not going to help you though. Don't say it. Like you shouldn't right. say it. Right. Like, there should know, be some kind of yeah. attempt. They're to... not going to be held responsible. Maybe it's one of those things that could have further training on. But just sitting here talking about it from a practicality standpoint, you you have a call. You're. I don't. I'm not really still sure, and I still need to do a little bit more research on this. Like what call? I mean, they got the call to to go and and uh, intervene in this guy's situation, if you will. If somebody's near a body of water like that, I think it's a pretty good assumption, and they're acting, you know, as if they have a mental illness. It's safe to assume that they may cause harm to themselves or others. Okay, let's start there. If you're near a body of water, what's yeah. the likelihood that they're going to jump sure. into that body of water? Okay, All right. so that's another real possibility. So, you know, I, as a business that has a body of water inside of it, am required to have life-saving devices, uh, a lasso and a lifesaver in and of itself and rope. I don't see what's so hard about equipping officers with that, perhaps in their, the trunk of their car. Right. In the event that something like that does play out unsuspectingly. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand storage space is limited, but I'm just trying to be reasonable here and think of a practical solution. You know, what's what's so hard about in those situations if they do present themselves that you don't have those tools at hand, especially with the three officers there. It, and again, in a vacuum, I understand I wasn't there. I didn't deal with it. But you got two officers on the bank. One could go for retrieval. You could have his life safety rope. And and that's that, you know, so I, I just don't find that to be an unreasonable expectation. Right. I agree with that. And yeah. what's the cost of those yeah, things? No, I'm down. It's insignificant. I'm down for that, too. Yeah, negligible. Yeah, yeah. There's everybody. Assuming they haven't been completely defunded, they should have money <laughs> yeah. to buy yeah. like some rope or like a or like a quick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, a little, a little. Uh, anyway, a, like a quick inflate whatever exactly. the CO2 cartridge thing. It popped. Exactly up. right. But like, so in the video, so they get called there because male and female are fighting at the water's edge, or at the balcony or whatever the pier. Yeah. And so it's a homeless female, homeless male. Uh, and like he's talking, he's acting all weird, and he's like just climbs over and goes, and like they're not there for any sort of crime. They're just yelling, and the lady's like, "Oh, we just we disagree, and we get really loud." She's like, "We weren't like fighting or saying anything bad." And they're like, "Okay, we're just trying to see what's happening." And then he's just like, "Whoop!" Leg over, goes down, jumps in the water, and swims off. But then yeah. says he's drowning. And like at that point, I would not have gotten that water. But like you said, if there's three of you, it'd be like, "Hey, this guy's being an idiot," and then. 
and then we start saying I'm drowning, then that's your because yes. now there's like a life saving event happening. Right. Yes. And then yes. yeah, get the third officer to go get something out of the trunk. And even if you don't, you don't have to terminate a run down there and dive yeah. in and swim right. out into the ocean or whatever to go get him. But take off your duty belt, wade into the water, get the rope, try to throw it to him, call him back, and if you when he actually goes under and is clearly not like playing a game or whatever. Absolutely. Do something. Then it, right. it's gonna be time to step it up, right. step it up, and do yeah. something. Do something, right? Do something. You got a badge. You got a badge in your chest, and it's not like the bare. It's not the bare minimum badge. It's like you got to do what you got to do. Right. right. You have to do it. Like that's the whole point. That badge represents the faith that the community has put into you to you wear this thing. And yeah, it's a piece of metal. You can order them off eBay. But if you think it means something to you, and you can hold yourself to that higher standard, then you know you might just save somebody, or it might do something good. Right. So it's just, it can be hard, but it's also not it's also not hard to treat people like you know maybe human beings, right? <laughs> like other human beings, right? Yeah, maybe they really they really they really they really can't breathe. You know what I mean? And like that's <laughs> right. what I told other people. Kind of just to flip to flip it back to the George Floyd is like because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that guy's full of he's full of it. Because and like a little that I, I watch it again, I'm like oh wait now he's been on his neck for like a really long time. And we in academy, yeah. they're like, do not, your knee can go if you if somebody's really fighting you, and you're trying to cuff them, and you can put your knee on there for like five seconds or less. They're like, because you are going to injure that person significantly. Do not do it unless you have to do it. But other than that, you don't kneel on their neck. You can put your leg there so they can't throw their head back or whatever. You can't kneel on it. And then, but the whole I can't breathe thing, people, like, the first thing they do as soon as you jump on them, like, and yeah. not for, oh, hey, you know, your walking dog had a leash, let me tackle you. When there's a legit reason, when you when you are on them, the first thing they say is, I can't breathe. Can't breathe, can't breathe, can't breathe, can't breathe. And so, honestly, for me, when I watched that video, I almost was, like, desensitized to it. Like, that's the first thing they say. That's the first yeah. thing somebody says when you jump on them is, I can't breathe. And, I mean, how, you know, obviously the guy couldn't breathe because he's dead. Right. And you know, I never squished anybody that long, but if you can't kneel on them like that, and but then, the, but just that the statement, I can't breathe. They'll say everything. My cuffs are too tight, and I can't breathe. Right. And I've had people, oh, my cuffs are too tight. Oh my god, I can't. My hands are turning purple. Help, help, help! And like we check them. It's your uh, your thumb and forefinger touch around there. And like if you go, you're like, hey man, I'll loosen them up. I've had people try to turn on me. I've had people jump on me trying to loosen their cuffs, and it's just like. You get these to this desensitized, which is in that in that sad. It kind of goes back to like the whole uh, seeing people like not subhuman, but certain people. You just like they're not they're they're ruining society. Is what it feels like now that I'm detached from it. Right. I'm like it's kind of it's kind of faded from me. But I re- I remember feeling like feeling that way at some yeah. certain points. I wouldn't say that I thought people were animals or anything ever, sure. but it was just like, gosh. I can definitely... Certain look, yeah. certain look. I can relate because, uh, you know, being in the Ironton area, I had to deal with a lot of the drug culture, quite frankly. You know, where I lived at yeah, specifically, man. unfortunately lost my father to uh, a battle of addiction, so... Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen it firsthand. I see what it does. I see what it does to people. I see how people act on it. I've seen how people, you know, treat other people on it. it it's a really unfortunate thing. And I know that sounds, I, I guess, somewhat desensitizing, I guess, and oversimplistic. But you, even I myself had to remind myself not to be, I can be jaded and I can be callous myself. 
but I really tried to make it a point. So like last week, and this is kind of lighthearted, but last week we put up a classic episode of us when we were like 21, whenever we did the podcast back in the day. And we said a lot of stupid shit about homeless people specifically, you know, <laughs> and I deal with a lot of homeless people still yet today. And I do get very calloused with some of the folk that I have to deal with because unfortunately there's a subsect of that homeless community that there's mental illness issues, yeah. there's drug abuse issues, and often drug abuse is associated with mental illness. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that is larger than most of us are equipped to deal with, quite frankly. And even professionals have the most difficult time dealing with it. So... I think the the big takeaway that we can take from the conversation today, and and you've made this point several times yourself, is that we have to try and not be jaded. You, you know, don't be gullible, right? And, and and it's easy to be calloused, but you know we need to try and treat every situation. You know, don't act like you haven't been there before, but also you, we don't know people often in these in these exchanges, like right. even with these examples with these officers and things that took place. Like they didn't know these people. Uh, on any level and a lot of them jump to reactions and we're all guilty of it you mm -hmm. know I'm guilty of it I do it day to day unfortunately it's part of my job yeah, police officers it's part of their job I'm sure like convenience store workers you can apply it to anybody any trade quite frankly mm -hmm. no yeah man you're it's a 100% it's on the nose but it's just yeah you gotta you know do the best you can and like t tend to, to reiterate for sure I'm like super down for like again you can't have a social worker in your car but having that resource, because, like, the fact of the matter is, yeah, cops, you're there for criminal activity. You're not right, there for right. somebody who needs mental evaluation. Right. Psychological Jails are help. not mental health. Yeah. Jails, right. yo, if you think if somebody's having a psychotic break, the place to be is locked in a concrete room. I'd say Negative. that's where I work. It only makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. Sag them. And it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, don't. It's just like it's not the. Unfortunately, though, like you said, there's drug, there's addiction, there's the mental health issue, and then that essentially you're like a social pariah, and there's going to be criminal activity some, at some level related to it most of the time. Some people can function, some can't. So even you're in the system, and you can't get out of the system, so you're perpetually there. And like even something as simple as like we, we touched on that really early on with like this like the criminal justice system which need, right. it has to be in place because like what else are we going to do basically but there's this cycle of like okay so if you're let's say you're a single guy and you live in a state you're not from you get a d you party and you get a dui okay you lose your license okay you lose your job because you can't get to work because you lost your license you can't drive you were too far you start riding a bike but you miss, you miss time your court date one day and you're trying to ride to court well, you miss court, so now you got a warrant out for your yes. arrest, okay? Yes. So then you're in jail and you miss your job interview for your next job. And then guess what? You're in jail, now you have all these court fees and fines and stuff, so you're gonna trying to work to pay those off, trying to get a car, and then you it just it keeps Snowballs, right. going and going and going, and then you're yes. just like stuck in it forever. <laughs> you can never like, it's just, and then you start drinking to make things better, using drugs to make it seem not so exactly bad. Right. And then you get another DUI, you get arrested for felony possession, and it's like, <laughs> it's just like, that, that doesn't help anybody out, man. Let me catch, let me catch murderers. To go full <laughs> circle, the system sucks. Exactly what you said at the beginning of the podcast. You know what I mean? The system is yeah. fucked. And we've got yeah. to figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can speak yep. to that. I'm glad you portrayed that example that you used exactly. 
because my I had an uncle. The exact thing happened to him, and and also we'll we'll sprinkle in, um, you know, like custody dispute stuff too. So like unpaid child support was kind of mm-hmm. his big issue that he had. So that was his criminal infraction, and he wasn't able to keep a job. And whenever he wasn't able to keep a job, he lost his license. Took his license because he couldn't pay his child support. Take a jo- then he couldn't have a job unless yep. he had transport. So it was like a vicious cycle where he could never really help himself. Fortunately, he got out of it eventually. But people often don't in his situation. And he was an alcoholic to boot. So you know, how, how are how are you going to give people a platform? How could to help you not themselves? be with all those things happening? To Absolutely, you? Right. right? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's great. Right? How can you how can you help? That's the thing. And it, and then you start wondering if it's like a. You know, there's this old saying, I don't know who said it, but they're like, if the if the penalty for a crime is a fine, then it the it only exists for poor people. Right. And that's true. That's right. And that's where you get into and this we might have to do this another we might I'm about to come back and talk to you guys about this, because that's where <laughs> you get into they're like, Oh cops are racist, cops are racist. And it's like mm, not like if you look at arrest stats, it's not like it's not it's not that crazy. Right. But it's the conviction rates are nuts. Yes. Absolutely wild. Right. And just as far as, like, white people giving getting, like, uh, whatever. Yo, you can go do community service, and black people, oh, no, you don't get, you, we were just going to convict you of it right now. Usually it comes down to who had an attorney, who didn't, who could plead, who couldn't. And it'll be somebody who's uh, statistically uh, in a lower income area or lower right. income area. Uh, like housing or they have they just make right. less money right. but yeah right. if, if the penalty is a fine it only it only exists to uh to essentially keep poor people down which is you totally see it and like you said with your uncle with i always used to be like how are you supposed to do this because they get arrested for non-payment of child support how are you supposed to pay child support if you're in jail right like, what exactly. are you gonna do work in the kitchen for 30 cents a day like it doesn't right make right sense. yeah exactly right yeah yeah, the, un- unfortunately, there's a lot of aspects of the system that's broken. And then we could even, like you said, I'll be happy to have you back on, <laughs> you know, but we could get into the for-profit prison systems. Private prisons. Well, the, the, yeah, the private prisons, the for-profit prisons. That's a huge Ooh. issue. And I could, dude, I could spend three podcasts on that specifically. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen so much stuff, but... Uh, I don't know how that is remotely It legal. shouldn't be. There has been so many... So many, like, there's, I think, I can think of like four or five that the judge, like, they proved in like whatever court that the judges were taking kickbacks for sentencing, sentencing somebody to that for-profit prison because that prison was giving them money for sending somebody to there. So they could, it's just like it's always money related. Oh, illegal corruption with uh, campaign donations and stuff. So, but it's also like absolutely, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Like super pack, yes, super pack stuff. Is, and that's we were too. we were trending in the right direction with all that briefly, where they're abandoning super pack donations and things of that ilk. We immediately flipped right back. Uh, yeah. One thing I want to before we get off here too, I, I want to encourage folks to check out because we just name dropped the for profit prisons and the private prisons. You got to check out a documentary called The Thirteenth. It it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix. If you have never seen it. If uh, even if you're not a big documentary person, if you like, uh, you know, Killer Mike, for example, he's in it. So the, uh, Van Jones is in it, who used a pundit commonly on CNN. There's a lot of folks that are in it, but it's called the 13th. And it's essentially talks about the marriaging of ideas, the fact that the current prison system and the criminal justice system is actually a modern day form of slavery in many respects. 
and uh, they talk about how that is in particular. Um, and it gets into some of the themes that we talk about, whether it's an ethnicity or it's a clamping down on poor people specifically. But uh, it's a very interesting documentary worth worth watching and, and people to check out too. Right on. Yeah, I'll check it out. Killer Mike's uh, dad was a Atlanta cop. Yes, he was too. He does a lot of uh, community talks. Uh, he has a, uh, several barbershops. He invests in the community. He actually had Bernie Sanders down there several times to talk to people. Yeah. You know, he, he does a lot of politi- political advocacy, Killer Mike specifically. So run to Jules, you know, RTJ, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Skyler, man, thank you for your time. Thank you, dude. We appreciate it so much. I enjoyed this one. And we hey, definitely want to thanks. have you back on. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure. Hopefully I didn't ramble along too much. And nah, uh, man. I still got lots of lots of stuff rattling around up there in my head. So you guys just let me know. I'll be happy to come back on. Uh, I'm sure we left a lot of stuff on the table, but I feel like we had a really good smorgasbord conversation at least to at least get Hell things yeah. started. We'll be happy to have you back on. And again, thank you so much for your time. You've been so gracious with it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. sticking around after the break welcome back welcome back we just wanted to say obviously thanks to skyler yeah man for the time that he gave us that was awesome yeah good conversation like i said tough conversation but it's a conversation that i felt like we should have had absolutely given the situation so i thought it would be nice to bring somebody on and not that i even planned this because skyler agreed to do the show well before what happened happened right here recently particularly with uvaldi but, you know, kind of the plan was to bring Skylar on. We wanted to talk about some of the major political things, such as over-policing uh, and the recent, you know, unjustified killings of black men, quite frankly, in the streets. And just want to hear the police perspective. What's the training on those situations? What are you supposed to do? We even talked about the homeless man drowning in Arizona. You know, it's important to actually hear what type of training's done. And his example is one specific one. So understand that there might be other things in other police departments that they want to, you know, hit on a little bit more. So, you know, kind of put that bold underlying stamp on it. Versus, you know, like obviously things related to perhaps coastal rescue and things of that ilk. Right. You know, a police department, you know, near a bay or something like that, that would be important to them. Right. You know, they probably wouldn't be so concerned with kayak training, for example, which... (laughs) But right. actually, coincidentally, I found out here locally, some of the fire departments have to get for water rescue because you don't think of it, but fire department gets involved in water rescue. They have to do kayak rescue training. So it's just kind of interesting to actually talk to people that do these jobs. Right. Find out kind of the nuts and the bolts behind the scene, things that can happen, the loopholes that they have to jump through. I, I think it's, you know, peeling back that curtain adds a little perspective to everybody. And you've heard many of our discussions in the past. There's a lot of audio of us talking out there now. Probably safe to say that a lot of our ideas are left-leaning in many respects, if you were to put it on the political spectrum. But also at the same time, 
we got to be reasonable people. We got to be practical people, regardless of what your politics are. Right. Let's come to the table. Let's meet middle. Excuse me. You know, that's, that's how you get problems solved. So I feel like we invited somebody on to bring a different perspective and kind of help lay that groundwork. So, you know, if this whole thing gets solved, we're going to take the credit. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So gotta, gotta thank Jared. Oh yeah. For a couple of weeks ago, Mr. PQ for being on the show. Didn't get a chance to, you know, kind of come back, revisit that, recap it and and say thanks again because of our vacation last week. I'm still telling all my friends it's a bear story. Like yeah, that, anybody, I'm like, dude, if you guys haven't intense. listened to our episode, you have to listen to this, yeah. this part because it was awesome. So yeah, the bear story is intense. Yeah. And like, I that was, was a great, great one on the verge of panic attack. I know. I was like, oh my God, dude. if you're a parent, it's even easier to kind of, um, you know, relate right. with what he was talking about. Right. I actually coincidentally got in a little hiking situation. I was going to tell the, like, you know, I couldn't compare to his story, if you will. But I, I went hiking out at Han State Park a few years back with my daughter this is when Pam was actually pregnant with Arlo, I believe. And uh, we got deep in the woods and only took like one bottle with us. And we'd only planned to hike about three miles, the three oh, mile aspect shit. loop of that. We ended up somehow walking the nine mile aspect loop. Did not bring food, nothing. Dude, it was an entire day. Like, so it was just like hiking to get back. I couldn't, yeah, <laughs> we eventually it was hiking to get back and it was evening. Pam was saturated in sweat. I was oh, saturated man. in sweat. Yeah, Rory, thank God, she fell asleep on my back. Right. Because she was pretty big at the time, you know, so she, that, I was getting ready to say she was probably two. She was old, a little older than that, about two and a half, but I had her on my back the whole time with like a backpack carrier. Oh, okay. Well, and, thank God for that, right? <laughs> but thank God for her, but dude, right. I couldn't walk for a couple of days. Like, yeah. It was that bad because... Yeah. I, she wasn't on there the whole time, but a good hour or two, I'd say. Right. Straight. That's crazy. You know, we started out with her in there and then let her walk and then she ended up in there again. But yeah, dude, I I, I got, we got essentially lost in Haunt State Park, which that happens sometimes. Oh yeah. I that. have heard of that. Yeah. But we found our way out. You know, we ended up bumping into other people and kind of getting back on the path, but we got lost because the trail markers weren't. Uh, very visible and some of them were worn and somebody actually took some of them out. Vandalized them, it. Like, hanging half out. So there's certain color trail markers that you're supposed to follow for certain loops. And we just missed, you know, the, the path that we were on. I'm going to say it was like yellow. Right. And there was white and there was blue, something to that effect. But yeah, we got a, We got away from our trail markers and that's how we got lost out there. So it's crazy just getting lost out in the woods part of it. Like I definitely related to that and empathize with that directly. But the bear aspect, fortunately we avoided that panic, but I could see myself bawling. You know? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I felt terrible. I was out there with my pregnant wife and my two plus year old on my back. Like this is this is my family. I'm responsible. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is why I don't hike, but <laughs> that's not really the truth. But that's why I'm gonna say it is. <laughs> back to the hiking, and uh, so Jared, yeah, he's he's got amazing stories. We'll continue to share some of them as we come across them in the future. Like we said, we hope to have Jared back on again. Maybe we can. Give us some more crazy hiking stories at that point. That'd be awesome. So we look, really look forward to that. Want to talk about what we got going on next week. So next week's going to be pretty interesting. We got a local independent wrestler who is going to be on the show, kind of talk about some of the circuit that he's working. That's Egon Casanova's The Gimmick. Derek is his name. And uh, I actually don't think I know Derek's last name because he works the gimmick pretty hard. <laughs> so he might he might come on the show working the gimmick if you know the inside insider terms. So uh, we will be talking to Egon Casanova 
next week and going to be talking about his independent wrestling experiences. In fact, he's a bump tanking manager. So that terminology is that he represents another wrestler, but he will also take the wrestling moves in the ring. So I think that'll be wild. Not, yeah. There's managers that are out there that you see. If you ever watch professional wrestling, for example, or did even back in the day, there's wrestlers who had managers that never got hit. So that's kind of the referred into reference to the bump or fell down on the ground or got knocked into right. stuff. But right. really that's to add to the drama of the match. So to have that manager, that garnish, it adds another way for, uh, let's say it's a, a heel or a bad guy manager. Right. It adds a way for the baby face to get his comeback on whatever heel he's working with, uh, diminishing the heel entirely. So that's some insider baseball talk there. But anywho, that's that's kind of just to add perspective to who he is and kind of what his character is. So you kind of understand that going into next week if you're going into this totally blind. So we're going to hear from a bump tanking heel manager, Egon Casano, or at least I believe he's working heel, but maybe maybe he does some baby face too. We'll find out. So, <laughs> but we'll see we'll see how revealing he is with his trade secrets, or if, if we're going to be working the gimmick here. I, I think it could be interesting either way. So for this week. I'm Barrett at Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Josh, the OGW on Twitter or underscore Joshua Welch on Instagram. We are out of time. Until next time. Stay safe out there. Good night. Good luck. Hey, this is Josh from ACI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.